on episode 32 of Pixel Gaiden. Cody cracks out the guitar. Eric cracks a joke. We both crack a few beers. It's a cute up battle. Six good isometric games. Tea time with Tim and Annika? The PC Engine Mini came out. And the Polymega is now a thing. Things get a little far out. Easter, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're we're separate. We are. This is very strange. <laughs> Welcome to Pandemic 2020. 2020 for. Oh, do I have to? I, my bomb drop. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> um, I have to make the noise because Eric's not here to hear it. No, but, uh, I am not. Well, there you go. Uh, hey guys, it's April. Uh, I'm in my house. Eric is five miles away in his house, and yep. we're, we're our job is to make the, the entertainment happen. So we're not going to fail you now. No, we are uh, obeying all people, all uh, government officials, and staying sheltered in place. Not really quarantined because we haven't been confirmed sick yet, but we are <laughs> sheltering yet. in place. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, through the magic of vehicles, I still was able to make sure that we both have beer to share together. Yeah. So um, that was cool. And we'll be drinking those shortly. But as we like to do on every episode of Pixel Guide N, we want to start with a couple of quick questions. Quick questions. All right. Here's my first question. Go for it. And I, and if you want, I'll give you some examples. I'll go first, I guess, to give you examples. If Because I, I hopefully I didn't wor- I worded this correctly here. <laughs> Have there any gaming purchases come to mind, gaming purchases, purchase decisions, where you were glad you backed out at the last minute and didn't get the item? Okay. 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 So I don't know if you want me to give you an example. You sound like you're heading that way, Justice Bieber. Um. <laughs> Justice Bieber. Hey, I didn't back out of that. I just never got it. <laughs> uh, so, you, so you can't you can't be glad you backed out. You just you just are right. upset the whole way through. That is correct. So, <laughs> one of mine was that um, you know the new Dragon's Quest that's on um, the Nintendo Switch. Okay. Yeah. So when that first came out, I was so hyped for it. I I, I remember watching videos and thinking, man, I'm this is going to be awesome. I'm going to get this. I'm going to play this for months. And I downloaded the demo. And I mean, I, there were so many times I walked into Target and saw it. And I was like, just ready to buy it. And I, for some reason, I backed out. It always out. looks like a really good, solid game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, and, if and you I, have, maybe, maybe it is. You if know, you have I don't 240 know. hours to put into it. So anyway, I watched videos and, and, and I, I just had this weird feeling about it. And then I downloaded the demo and I was, I was, I, I played it and kind of enjoyed it, but I'm glad I didn't spend 60 bucks on it. Now, um, so, oh, cause of the demo. Correct. 
Well, I see, think I, I would have. I think that would have been a $60 purchase where like I played it for maybe five hours and then just went on to something else and never came back to it. Yeah, so that that would surprise me if you picked up something like that, too, because I, I, I stock uh, on Nintendo Switch and see how many hours of games different people play. Yeah. And you are a king two hours max on so many games. You are yeah. king, king of the two hour, which is um, maybe that should be your new nickname. <laughs> yeah. and so Positivity like Eric slash two hour. Do you remember any games that I played a lot of that you thought, oh, he played a lot of, the, of that? It's mostly any? ones, mostly ones, <laughs> to be honest with you, that either you mentioned on the show you played a lot, or ones where I'm like, that's probably his son. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or that's, that's his daughter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's true. That's true. That's very true. Seen, but seen a whole lot of Smash Bros. <laughs> no, that's me. Is that and you? We'll get, and we'll get to that. No, I just we'll, ruined we'll it. To, I ruined that, it. No, no, it's coming up. It's coming I, up in, in news. It's a... Uh, give a little history lesson of my history with smash and, and, and talk about it. And then another, another one, which I think you might share with this is the Atari VCS. Like when that, when the news of that first came out, I was very excited about it. And then as news started leaking out about things about it, I, I I kept creeping further back away from, from buying that. And I never did. And I'm glad I did not because it looks like it's a horror show. Well, I went, I I got the official horror show uh, in my past and that's the the main one I'm going to put on here, which I've mentioned on the show, but the retro VGS, which eventually became known as the Coleco Chameleon. Yes. Yes. So I did actually uh, back that on, um, how it's it called? Not, not Kickstarter What's the other one. Indiegogo. Which is yeah, a, that's right. Regardless if they meet goal or not, they still take your money, and which is so, horrible. <laughs> yeah, so I was so excited about that that system and what it stood for and what it was going to be. And uh, luckily, now there are some systems coming out like the Amico, which kind of fill that niche. And the Amico is going to be a real thing. It's you know, you and I are both backers on that. Yeah, um, and, I, and I don't regret that at all. And the Spectrum Next. So um, yes. Anyways, I I did. Uh, see the writing on the wall and uh within about five days after the indiegogo thing started uh i called in and put an official whatever you can you can go in there and get your money back before the thing ends you can resend your your bid i guess so i did that so i got i got away from that one before it crashed and burned and everyone lost their money so i'm glad about that but uh i really did want to see that thing come to fruition it was a cool system yeah that one had the jaguar casing right yeah. Yep. Which is yeah. about the only thing that uh, that guy did a, a good job of doing was was procuring the molds and and uh, I guess that's as far as he got <laughs> procuring them <laughs> and making mockups on a computer of what they could look like if he did them again. So, so there's some guy out there with a warehouse full of Jaguar casing. It, it's just the mold. Yeah. Oh, you know, just the, the mold. large okay. iron cast mold. Yeah. So he never really made a bunch. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah Cause the Atari obviously was, you know, that's from the Bay area. And then when the Atari went under, they sold the molds to a dental company and Which the dental weird. company used that mold to make a, um, dental, uh, like stethoscope light tool. So that yeah. was like the body of it that hung on the wall. You should look it up. Um, if, if you could look it up and actually and see this thing, but it was actually a uh, a lot of people make fun of the Atari Jaguar dental tool. And anyways, <laughs> he bought it off of them after that company went under uh, for a song, I'm sure. Um, let me type it up here. So we got Eric can see what I'm doing on my computer. Here it is. Look at this thing. Oh yeah, yeah. There it is, hanging on the wall, looking <laughs> all uh, with little. Is Anna yeah. just goofy? 
I, ju- I totally wonder if anybody ever went in to, to do dental work and like, they were like, Hey, that's a Jaguar on the wall. Like before it was, <laughs> before it was known in the news, you know what I mean? That's funny. Cause look at, actually look at this mock-up right here. It's not even a mock-up. This is the actual thing. They do have, they have a cartridge in it too. Yeah. They actually have a cartridge in there. I wonder if that cartridge is different, like, um, like programming for the device. See, it's a memory cartridge. They call it a memory cartridge. Look at that. Optional docking station, quick release lens port, modular design, (laughs) multi-stage light control. That's funny. I never actually looked that closely at it, but there it is. (laughs) So for the next, uh, for the next question. Yeah. Tim Drew sent this question in, our boy yep. over the over the pond, which we have to say every time. Yes. Uh, he says, during the current situation, I don't know what situation you're talking about, Tim, <laughs> are there any games or systems that you have played that you have previously been putting off? I, I, so you want to, why don't you go first on this one? I went first on the last one. Okay. Well, so one of these, I'll, I'll make the first one really short because we're going to talk about it more on the episode here. But long mm-hmm. story short, I... The, the bug has been itching too bad, and I, I said, I need to catch up on Pico 8. If you remember our first, well, technically our second episode, yeah. uh, we did six good Pico 8 games. And I do love the Pico 8. It's a fantasy console. We'll talk about it more later. Uh, but now there's, I mean, thousands upon thousands of more games and, and uh, demos and things out there. So I wanted to dig into that. So I did a, a, little, a lot of that, I should say. Uh, but the only other one that I really... Because I play a lot of my old systems. I rotate them and try different things and play a lot of them. So the only system I really have not played in a while uh, that I have here is my PlayStation 3. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and the reason I pulled it out... Well, actually, I still have it hooked up. But um, do you remember the game Rocksmith? Yeah, the guitar. Yeah, it yeah. It has a guitar peripheral. Yeah, so you actually plug your guitar straight into the thing, a real guitar. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, oh, that's since, right. That's right. That's the one with the real guitar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, I provide, you provide your own guitar. So anyways, I was like, I want to play that again um, and busted that out because I haven't been able to play with my band or with anybody for, for weeks now. So it's good to get that out and actually kind of play some stuff without just sitting in my room by myself. So, uh, I mean, I was, but, <laughs> but I, I was, but I wasn't. What about you, sir? Well, I mean, I, my two... My two, uh, I'm going to do two of them and they're kind of lame because we're going to talk about them later, but th- it's, it's, it's honest. Um, one is in our battle of the systems, we're going to be doing harmful park, which is a game. I, I look like I love, I mean, I loved playing it here and there, but I wanted to sink a bunch of time into it. And so this gave me the opportunity to do it this month. So that's one of them. Um, and then the other one was on the Switch. It's a retro-inspired game. It was uh, Enter the Gungeon, which I oh. think we're going we're to be okay. talking about that later on, too, because I saw it in your notes, too. But um, I, 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 I've been looking at that game for months and not really putting time into it because I was playing other roguelike-style games. And uh, so I, I spent some time on, on this month playing that one, and it's good. Been trying to get to that one. All right, well, simple enough. Yep. Um, how about we talk about our show information, Eric? You're good at that. I am. Well, I would, uh, I'm knowledgeable. <laughs> I'm good at it. So let's talk about the, our show, our lovely little show here. This is weird doing it from remote, by the way. I don't, I don't like this. I prefer <laughs> doing it from remote. So just, to, just to let you know. I don't know. Uh, I, the, the amount of man heat in the room is lessened considerably. So sure. that, that's a plus. 
There's no deadly candles going to knock me out, so I appreciate that. I, I, I can light my candle again. I the man candle. The, the mandle. That's all right. So, hey, guess what? If you want to, if you want to find out more about this show, you can go to pixelguiden.com. Uh, if you want to reach us, reach us on Twitter. You can go to um, at pixel underscore guiden for the show Twitter feed. For me, you can reach me at at dub project d u h project. For Cody, you can reach him at at oddball one one four nine, which it's o d d b a one one four nine four nine. And for Tim Drew, you can reach him at sanction. Is that the way we said? I That's, always forget. Sanction, sanction is how how us Americans say it, but he says sanction. S a n x i o n, which again just sounds smarter <clears throat> than all of us. He does. <laughs> so. If you want to, and I encourage this, I would please review us on iTunes. Well, it's not called iTunes anymore. It's called Apple Podcasts. Apple, Apple Podcasts. Yep, it's called Apple Podcasts. Yeah, that's, and that's you, the best way we get um, rated highly on the show rankings, regardless of if it's Apple or any other podcast. I mean, everyone uses the Apple's information. So we'd really appreciate that if you guys could uh, leave us an actual written review on, on uh, Apple Podcasts. Yep. And if you want to email us, you can email us at podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we would love feedback. We don't get enough of it. Um, feedback and interaction in general. Yeah. We, actually, we get a lot through Twitter. We get a lot through we Twitter. We do. We do. Yeah. So, cool beans. Um, we also have a, a Patreon account, which means you guys can throw a few bucks our way if you appreciate the show. I want to make sure we, everyone knows: is it, if you appreciate the last show you listen to, that's what you're that's what you're donating to. Because if we totally mix it up and screw it up next time, I don't want to feel bad about it. So you know, <laughs> it's kind of like a, a shareware. All right, you try before you buy. Um, but anyways, uh, we like to go ahead and recognize all of our Patreons. So. Hey guys, we want to make sure Excellent. that we also thank all of our patrons. Um, and when we do that, we do that in a special way here on Pixel Guide N, where we go on the internet, use our random adjective generator to come up with a description for each of our patrons and uh, announce them in a creative yet fun way. So this time we're going on a road trip. Hey guys, didn't you hear? We're going on a road trip, man. We're going to hop on the interstate, start cruising. We're not going to stop until the horizon hits us. Who's going, you ask? Oh, man, all the cool guys and gals are going to be there. Starting with the grotesque Tim Drew and the massive Jim Tessier. Don't forget the blissful Henrik Lofel and the responsive Gary Heather. Oh, man, we're going to be cruising alongside the giddy Dustin Newell the frivolous Matthew Ackerman. Even the offbeat Daniel James is going to be there. The incorrigible Josh Malone. And don't forget Eric Sandgreen. He's glaring. We're also bringing along the taboo David Vincent and the rectangular 10-minute Amiga Retrocast. There's going to be a couple of cool dudes there you might not even know yet because they're brand new to the bus. The knowing David Modelak the wiry Roy Fielding, and the brand new Vital Mr. Toast, and the amusing Team Gray all the way. <laughs> all right, thank you guys. 
Yes, thank you very much. Appreciate your patronage, and uh, sorry you had to go through all that in here. The, rec- <laughs> the rectangular 10-minute or mega retrocast. <laughs> That's, I think that might be my favorite one. I don't understand it, but that might be my favorite one of the uh, of the bunch there. The random adjective generator gave us. So I did. We did get a new Patreon subscriber, uh, Team Gray, all the way. All the so, way. So thank you, Team Gray, all the way. Uh, and he sent us a little message via Patreon. He said, uh, "Doing well, thank you. Hope you both are doing well, also." Haven't caught up on recent episodes yet because I haven't commuted since stay-at-home orders. Only feedback I have is that I like that you guys are family-friendly and make long yeah, shows we are. broken up into segments. We are uh, often family-friendly. <laughs> we keep pushing the envelope, Eric. We need, we need to restrain ourselves. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he did say he hasn't heard the recent episodes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and luckily, he doesn't jump into our um, online gaming. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that maybe later. Um, hey, Bear. Or, hey, Eric. <laughs> hey. Let's, let's drink some beer. Yes, let's right. do that. So, we are both enjoying the same beer today. I happen to have a 12-pack of these in my fridge, so... We are going to try that. Um, it is from Firestone Walker here in California. Yes. It is a hazy, and it is called Mind Haze in the can. Where's here we my... go. I'm going to open this bad boy up. Go for Ooh. Let's see if ooh. I can out-crack and sizzle you. <laughs> it was a completely different effect, but they are both uh, mouth-watering. Oh, yeah. Bomb, bomb. All right, so this is yet another hazy. This is an easy drinking hazy, um, budget more budget friendly hazy than some of the ones we've had in the past. Uh, and now, Fire, it, Fire, Firestone is a good brewery. And because, uh, go ahead and try that, Eric. Yeah. Um, because it is in a can, Eric is going to do the correct thing and smash against his forehead to, uh, dis- yeah. to dispose of it. <laughs> I'm not going to do that right now, but I, I might do it later <laughs> if I drink three more. Um. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, I imagine you've already had a sip or have had some of these earlier in the week. I've had a number of these. I enjoy it. They're, it's um, it is a uh, well. It's made by the same guys as eight hundred five, and it's the same price as eight hundred five. So, which is hazy, great because eight hundred five is cheap. Yeah, I mean, pretty pretty like, cheap, relatively cheap. Yeah, exactly. Everything's going up. No, so. Uh, so I'll give you this. I mean, I've mentioned this on the show many times. Is I don't generally like IPAs. I think they're too hoppy, or they try to go out of their way to be way too hoppy. But this one is actually very smooth. And it's a hazy. Hazy IPA. So what does that mean? Does that just mean it's hazy coloring? Unf- it's unfiltered. Yeah, and I can so see it's that. it's hazy. And then it, mm-hmm. it, it, that haziness or whatever, it fights off the IBUs so that it's smoother. It basically gets rid of that. Okay. And then to me, it just adds, I don't know what you want to call the flavor, but it adds this whole like fruity... Um, yeasty fruity flavor to it i don't know it's good it's very good it is good yeah it is good so we'll we'll rate it in a bit let me let me spend a few moments with it uh, oh yeah you as we need, go on each you need to be alone for a few minutes so we can rate I, that bad boy i do gotcha um really quick some errata and feedback well we did we already did some feedback there um this isn't necessarily errata i just want to point out in our last episode you tried to use a British phrase, something yeah. about a Bobby Dazzler. 
And I, and I used it correctly. <laughs> Did you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think Tim accounted in on that. Uh, he said it's a... Uh, oh, what did he tell us? He said... He, he, so his, Tim's words were... Eric, you did that right. You used it correctly. I mean, he. In I paraphrase that. What but. a nice guy. Yeah, and and uh, I'll tell you a little story about that. Um, I had a dream that I said that that phrase, Bobby Dazzler, and I used it in a British. <laughs> I had a British accent. I said it's a Bobby Dazzler, <laughs> and um, and then you realized and, you actually did it in our podcast. And, and I woke. Well, th- this was years and years ago. I woke up and I was like, "Bobby Dazzler." I've never heard that before in my life. And then I, I googled it, and it was a real phrase. <laughs> and you're a I conduit. Thought that I thought something was reaching out to me in my dreams and transmitting strange alien messages. It was Tim Drew. It, it's it like I will be Tim on the show. <laughs> exactly. Um, so anyway, I must have heard it somewhere in the past, but I, I, I used it in the right context. That's too funny. And, and I'm going to use it in the future. Uh, another thing I noticed, doing our Patreon uh, listenership you know, rundown last time, we did a safari, and I did an yeah. amazing few accents. Um, yes, you did. One of the things I said while describing the animals in the animal park is that one of our animals had the smallest talons of any land animal. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't remember that. Well, when, you go back and, when I go back and listen to it, I'm like, what? Talons? So, ta- yeah. I, I mean, I guess a, a velociraptor from Jurassic Park was like a land animal with talons, but... Mm-hmm. Well, that's, but that's Jurassic claws. Park. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to mention, we talked about uh, some of the Intellivision games we had. We keep throwing D&D, Dungeons & Dragons, out there. There's actually two uh, television Dungeons and Dragons games. There is, yeah. Um, so we 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 did not specify which one, but there's one that was much more. Um, you know, I have it up here somewhere if I if I grab it, but there's one that's very common. The other one's a little more rare. So I'd like to get the other one. They're completely different games. I'd like to get the other one though. They're di- they're completely different style games too, if I remember right. Like the one we did was a kind of a top down. You know. Well, not top down, but you know what I mean. Like you're you're walking through a maze um, adventure, and the other one is isn't it that one more like a a point and click style adventure or something like that? I don't recall. I think they're completely. I think they're different, they're different. game styles. Yeah, yeah, they're completely different. Uh, we forgot to cheers, so let's do that. Oh, cheers to your health, sir. Thank you, and Twink. may you remain healthy. Clink. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get uh, our rating here out of... So, uh, Firestone Walker is uh, actually an American and a Brit got together, which is why if you look at their logo, it's a bear and a lion. Ooh, neat. Didn't know that. um, And uh, made this stuff. So, how about we do this out of uh, 70 lions? 70 lions. Uh, one last thing before we rate this. Did you know that yesterday I was supposed to be coming back from a vacation to Paso Robles, where Firestone resides? You, you did mention, I uh, don't know exactly yesterday, but um, my, my sister actually lives in Paso Robles. And, yeah, uh, he was, I, I, it was on one of the episodes we talked about this. Like I was like looking forward to my, we, we were going to go for a week and my son was going to go with us and we were going to just have a blast. Just sit. We were going to rent a house there and go to the brewery and just relax for a week. And guess yeah. what? Guess what didn't happen? Not to be a one upper, but I'm supposed to be in Germany in, in like a month. But that's not happening either. Oh, uh, that's a bigger bummer. We'll figure that out. We'll figure yep. it out. All right, so um, seventy lions. Seventy lions. 
Are you gonna? Uh, am I gonna go first here? Yeah. yeah. Seventy lions. Okay, I'm gonna give this a. I'm gonna give this a. a fifty nine. Fifty nine out of seventy. Okay. Seventy, right? Seventy. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty. That's pretty good. It you is like. pretty good. I like. I like this one. It's very smooth. I was going sixty one. Sixty one. Sixty one. Right on. Cool. Good beer. That Eric, is a good beer. Do you know what time yeah. it is? For the news. It's time for the news. Yay! Reporting the news. So I'm going to start off with a couple here. Uh, one's not on, not on your sheet there, Eric. But I did want to bring out uh, all these new systems are like launching now. Uh, we talk about them regularly. Um, one of them we don't talk about because you and I were both not really on board. Uh, but it's worth mentioning that the Polymega was shown at E3. Do you remember this Polymega device? Does that ring a bell? I do, and it looks really cool. It looks really expensive, too. <laughs> so you are interested in it. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm interested in buying it. I'm interested to see. I'm, I'm more interested to see how well it does. Yeah, it's really interesting. It does look sleeker than I thought it would. It, it sounded like it was going to be a joke, like a complete joke. They did ma- mm-hmm. manage to make this thing rectangular, but what's cool about it... Um, is it is I mean it's an emulation device first of all it, it does yes. emulation it's not an FPGA it doesn't do hardware emulation or recreation it's a it's a computer running emulators um, and it has these little modules that click in the back uh, and they'll play all the different cartridges I'll get to that in a second but the base unit has a CD player so it is the first to my knowledge first one of these modern uh, retro emulation systems that can play all of your old original CD-based games. Everything from the TurboGrafx CD to Sega Saturn, PlayStation 1. Um, I think there's a few more of that ilk. Mm-hmm. Um, but, they're, I mean, they're using on-the-market uh, emulators. It's nothing fancy. They're putting them in a, in a box that looks nice. They just basically wrote the software that bridges the, a CD device to read the code and dump it off to an emulator. Yeah, so that's, I mean, this is the first device that does CDs, so, I mean, that's pretty cool. That is pretty um, cool, and I would be very interested to see how well it runs, because as you know, like, some of those CD-based machines, especially ones like the Saturn, are extremely difficult for even high-end PCs to emulate. Yep, yep. Um, and then the modular part thing is the part that kills me, is that if you want to play Super Nintendo games, you have to buy a separate module and click it in the back to allow it to play Super Nintendo games. If you right. want to switch it out to something else, a turbo card, you know, turbo graphics card, you have to pull the module out, put a new module in, and you have to buy all these things. So yeah, I mean, to buy every module, I mean, I don't have the price here in front of me. Actually, I do have the Polymega thing here. Um, I don't know, you're looking at... 600 bucks 700 bucks to buy every module so you can play everything i mean basically this is the uh the um hyperkin what do they call that number five the hyperkin uh retron five the retron five yeah it's basically the retron but five look at that list of look at that list of compatible games though i mean if imagine in a world where you're filthy rich I, it's still emulation though I don't it's know. still emulation, but let's say you weren't you were filthy witch, so you and you weren't really into game collecting. I mean, this would be a way to play a lot of different systems on HDMI, on a very on on a wide. I mean, um, you know, there are people. There are a lot of people that aren't like us that have CRTs and and go all out to have an authentic experience. There are people that maybe just want to game casually. 
And this, but you say that like would, you say mm-hmm. that, but the whole point of this machine is to play actual physical hardware, which means they want to game casually, but buy and own all the physical software. True, true, but you know, upscaling it or whatever you want to call it to a flat screen TV, so you don't have to have CRTs and things like that. This kind of uh, this kind of solves that problem for a lot of people that don't want to get into that. Hmm. Now, what I'm is not, cool is they have a bunch of different. Go ahead. The, the joysticks. What I mean, I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a proponent of this per se. I'm just kind of playing the devil's advocate here about what people may be looking into. That I just don't think the market's that big for this, especially since a PlayStation. You could literally go find one for thirty bucks. Exactly. Exactly. So, and a Saturn. I mean, I play, think I paid fifty bucks or something for mine. I mean, and then you really do have a genuine experience, right? Yeah. Exactly. And then. And then. I mean, this is just, I, I looked at some videos of this, and it basically is doing the same thing the Retron is. It's just going to take the information off the CD or off your cartridge when you plug it in, and it takes that information and downloads it to an SD card that it uses. Yeah. So basically, mm-hmm. you're literally, at that point, you don't even need to plug the cartridge in anymore. I mean, I think they just double-check it, but I don't know. Uh, it, it does look really good, and they have all these controllers that mimic uh, real controllers. That look They actually look pretty solid. There's like a... Yeah. Um, Genesis, the Super Nintendo, I guess this is kind of an NES, and this one's a um, TurboGrafx-looking controller complete with the auto-fire. Yeah. Aesthetically, the the console and the controllers look really good. They're, they're in black, um, like a matte black. I, I mean, they look... It looks really good. Yeah. So it was at E3, yeah. and people got their hands on it, and I think it was generally um, highly regarded. Just mm-hmm. not something I need, but cool. Is this the same company that makes the one that's going to be mobile here, that plays all the mobile games? No, 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 no. That's a different company, right? But it's the same kind of thought, like you have to have adapters to play different types of cartridges, right? Uh, oh, I know what you're talking You're talking about analog. No, I mean, those guys are tried and true. This is a startup. That's, that's right. The only right. product they make. But yeah, the analog, that thing looks amazing. But um, that's yeah, true. to a point, I see what you're getting at, yeah. Cool. Um, a really quick one to mention... Uh, a new Color Computer 3 game came out. Um, yeah. There's not a lot of information on it, so the best video I found of it was this one, actually, which is from uh, Amigo Aaron. Amigo uh, Aaron on the Coco Show. Yeah, On the Coco Show. Uh, and actually, this is his uh, yeah Coco Show Color Computer podcast, but he's playing Gunstar, which is a new shmup, a vertical shmup on the Coco mm-hmm. 3. Yep. Um, it looks pretty cool. I'm like, wow, that that's a pretty good looking Coco game. And I was all excited. Actually, I was ready to go buy it and pay money for the download, ten bucks or whatever, whatever it was. And then I looked up the requirements. Luckily, first of all, it needs the five twelve RAM minimum, which I do have. Um, and I have that too. And you, and I'm, I'm I went down the same path you did here, so I'll let you continue. But I I, I I had my wallet out as well. Yeah, yeah, we were ready to buy this thing. It says all yep. you need all you need is a five twelve RAM. And a 6309 processor. I'm like, what on earth is that? So I went and looked up the specs, yeah. and that is not what is standard. And nope. apparently, you, you know more about this than I do. Apparently, that's some kind of aftermarket thing some people bought, and for what reason? Yeah, it just it's it's like a processor upgrade. It's like when you do on the Amiga, when you go from a 68020 to a 68030 or a 68040 or something, it's similar to that. You basically are just jumping up a processor, and... The problem is, is that it's not as easy as just a card that you put into your um, Coco. You have to desolder yeah. the, the the 
the chip out and then plug this 6309 in. And when I was looking for a Coco 3 not not that long ago, um, I, I I found a couple that had the 6309 installed in it. And oh, wow. from what cool. I understand, it's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big deal to do that upgrade. Um, so I bought a standard one and then I did the 512K upgrade myself. But I've never did the 6309. I doubt I ever will. There's not that many games that take advantage of it. Yeah, this is literally the only one I'm aware of. And uh, that's why I put my wallet back <laughs> in my pocket. And um, honestly, I'm, I'm looking at the game. It's cool that somebody mm-hmm. made a new Coco 3 game. Um, yep. It looks like a decent game. And as we'll talk about later, it looks like something that uh, it looks like a mid-level Pico 8 game, to be honest. <laughs> right? It, it, like it's it runs smooth. And, and I wouldn't say I don't that I don't like the graphics. I like the graphics. They're, yeah, they're, they're kind of neat. They're good. But they're to decent. me, it almost looks like some of the like Atari 7800 games I've seen. Yeah, yeah, um, that'd be comparable, yeah. Is that about right? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, it, it looks cool. And I, again, I would have purchased it day one if, if they hadn't, if there wasn't that processor requirement. Yeah, I wonder how much that processor actually helps because this, after seeing some <laughs> of the games, uh, I've seen the multi-load games uh, mm-hmm. that look more impressive than this. Again, I, it's hard for me to talk. I don't know anything about coding, so I don't know what it takes to make a game look this good or that good, but, um, yeah. Anyways, I, I guess it's just a bummer that uh, most people won't be able to play this, so we'll just have to live vicariously through Amigo Aaron's video here. Yeah, and it looks good. We could emulate it, but I'm not probably going to even bother. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, the, and you're right. They're, the funny thing is there are better-looking Coco 3 games that don't take the upgraded processor. Oh, yeah. That's what I think. I, I don't know. But, it, but hey, kudos. Somebody wrote this awesome... Yeah, game. I mean, in today's day and age, and like I said, I would have bought this if it took the standard processor. So, cool beans. Let's talk about Panzer Dragoon. Mm Mm-hmm. So there is a new remake out for the Switch, and I'm sure you've heard about it, right? Yeah, I've been looking forward to it. Do you think you're going to get it down the road? Yeah, you know me. The key is down the road. I love Panzer Dragoon. I'd love to play the remake. Um, it it's digital only, and I'm not going to spend more than fifteen dollars on a digital only game. So, right. and and most likely they'll do like a limited run, whatever. Which same thing, I'm not going to buy a limited run game because I don't want to fight to try to get it. Right. Um, but if they do like a, you know, if they put it in Walmart or Best Buy or whatever, yeah, I'd pick it up for twenty thirty bucks, absolutely. But they yeah, won't. I, I... I saw this and I was pretty excited about it and I watched videos and it looked, it looks amazing. Have you seen the graphics or yeah. the videos of this? Yeah, I have. Um, it looks amazing. And then I started reading kind of bad reviews. Um, not everyone thinks it plays really well. Oh, really? I don't, I generally don't fa- like, I don't trust a lot of reviews. I kind of like to judge for myself, but I did kind of catch a couple whiffs of, of bad reviews. So I'm glad I didn't pull the trigger right away. And it is, it's not full price. It's like, what is it? 30 bucks? I think it was 30. Yeah. 29.99. <clears throat> so I think I'm with you. I think I'm going to wait. And if it drops even digitally for me, I, I I'm, I'm getting over my, my hangup of physical versus digital, but, um, I, I, if, if it drops to a $15, um, digitally, I'll probably grab it and, and it play, looks really and play good. it for two hours. 
I'll probably play it for two. Yeah, two hours. That's about, <laughs> that's about my average. <laughs> yep. Hey, two hours is the right amount of time to realize if you need to waste more of your life on it. <laughs> that's why I get demos. Um, have you seen the new Amico? Like all kinds of cool new Amico trailers came out. I did. I did. I watched those, and they do look really good. Uh, I saw. Um, Obviously, we saw the 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 Moon Patrol and and Astro Smash, but there was one that looked um, that looked really cool. But I didn't know the name of it. It looked like it was like a Bomberman game, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I don't know which one it is. And one of my favorite multiplayer games of all time is multiplayer Bomberman. Playing four player. Bomberman for me was was just the ultimate party game. I loved it. So if there's something like that on the Amico, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, I mean, that, so they showed all kinds of footage. Um, pretty much right when the lockdown here happened, um, all kinds of footage of the actual gameplay, including people using the controllers and playing side by side. Uh, I did notice one thing that I, I think uh, one of our listeners, Josh Malone, noted it too. I was watching the the version of Missile Command. Um, everything about the game looks awesome. The fact that um, the kind of rule changes they put in from multiplayers and how certain people can help each other and uh, you only have so many shots and um, the whole thing. But the part that did get me is, is that game was primarily a touchscreen, basically a touchscreen type of gameplay where you move the cursor where your finger goes. Right. And we were watching the gameplay and it almost looked like there was, you could even tell just watching the video, there's a little bit of lag from them touching their controllers to actually moving on the screen. And that yeah. would that would kill it. I mean, it's got to be dead on. I imagine that's just going to be code optimization. I, I'm not too worried about that. They're not going to release a game that they're not going to release that if there is that kind of latency. People just will freak out at that. So I have I have a good feeling that that's going to get fixed. Yeah, um, they showed a bunch of, of gameplay videos. They looked really cool. Uh, the, uh, they also showed the, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but the racing game where you're kind of on a track and you can speed up or slow down, but that's it. And then yep. the track... It's cro- like the slot cars. It's like the yeah. old slot cars. You remember that? And it crisscrosses, and then uh, you can, even if you die, you can still put traps and stuff on the playing field and try to mess people up and stuff. Um, really quick, I'm looking at a video here of all the gameplay footage they showed. Uh, I think this is the Eco the Dolphin game, which I love about... I, I don't like the original Eco pl- playing it, but I always, as a kid, would play the just the entry level where you just play in the water. And that yeah. looks like this whole game is based off of that. I don't know if that is Eco or what, but... Um, and then here is uh, Safe Cracker, which is a, apparently a well-known television game that you and I have not played yet. I don't believe. No. Uh, it's nope, supposed, to, supposed to be a classic. Looks cool. Uh, pool. Pool looks boring. Looks like pool. Um, although I could see myself getting into it, to be honest. Um here is a racing game. Is this what? What did they call this one? I can't recall. But it, I don't me, know. But this one, this one looks awesome. I, I, I mean, this isn't this isn't the slot car style kind of game. This one is actually more like a super sprint. super cars on Amiga. Or yeah. A, I mean, no shooting yeah. though, but um, really fun side by side, fast action, top down racing. It looks that one looks so cool. Yeah, I'm, de- I'm definitely using my uh, my gift card to buy that when i get my <laughs> founder's edition right um here we have shark shark which is um a classic game i'm familiar i've never played the actual television one but it's a game where you start as a small fish and you eat smaller fish and as you grow you can eat bigger fish but there's sharks going around the uh the skate the stage trying to eat you um 
it, I mean, it looks gorgeous. I don't know. How it fun looks it. really good. I hope the gameplay holds up. There's cornhole. Here's cornhole, which is one of the games that's included with the system. They they announced all the included games now, um, which I can't see myself playing too much of this, but there it is. Um, I am cornholio. Wow. <laughs> wow, though. <laughs> Uh, this one we've talked about looks super cool. It's like a side-on breakout game. Um, here's Astro yeah. Smash, which looks amazing. I That's played Astro Smash on my reel and television for hours, and I, I actually really love that game, even though it's simple. Um, I think the scoring mechanism in that game is is really cool. And playing two, three, or four-player Astro Smash is going to be fun. Your base, it's kind of, imagine Space Invaders but quicker and asteroids are coming at you and you have to blow them all up. And if pieces hit the ground, you lose points. But if you shoot them, you gain points. Um, and there's more stuff going on than that power ups. And that looks really great. Um, here's the crisscross car one, which we are talking about. <laughs> that looks so fun. <laughs> that does look like fun. And it's the, what's fun is in a multiplayer game, it's going to be a multiplayer situation, like in a party, it's going to be simple to explain. Oh yeah. For people that don't, pl- People that maybe aren't game players. Yeah, exactly. That's where I mean. That's where this thing's going to shine. I'm going to be able to get people to people to play games with me that I don't normally get to play games with. Is yep. like a com- here's combat or a similar game to combat. Which it's looks- got to because Atari was the only one that had combat. It's got to be similar to it, but it looks similar to it. But the graphics look way better. Yeah. Um. Here's here's the game you're talking about, which is absolutely. I mean, it looks like a 3D kind of bomber. It looks man. like I mean, bomber top man. down. Yeah. That looks really good. Um, oh, this was this one surprised me. Even this one looked like a blast. This is Pong. Yeah, well, the funny thing is I played a game like this on um, on Android, like on the phone for a while with my daughter. Like, shoot, it's, it's a one you can, you can set the phone down and each play a side of it. Okay. Um, and we would do that when we were waiting for, you know, in line somewhere or whatever. Um, but it looks exactly like that, but it's on the Amico and my daughter and I had a blast playing it. Dude, this looks so fun. I mean, imagine Pong, but they go ahead and put uh, different sports underneath it, I guess, for the most part, this one's not mm-hmm. sports. Um, but there's different versions of Pong with, uh, multiple balls, basketballs and footballs that bounce off in odd angles. And that last one was like Pong, but with breakout behind you, like b- blocks behind you that are like defense, but you also get machine gun. I mean, there's so much going on. This looks like a, uh, that's a system seller for me there. That looks so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll try to burn through the rest of these here. Some kind of... Um, there's Missile Command. Missile Command, yeah. Which you already talked about. I can't remember what this one was. Something with a cute little ice cream. Uh, this is like a um, Trials type of game where you're on a motorcycle and you're you're jumping yeah. out. Oh, it's, evil. it's called Evil Knievel. That's right. Um, <laughs> I mean, these real, all, these, all these games look like... Uh, you know, glorified mobile games, but that's fine because I've always wanted mobile games that you get the full game and have a good control input for. Mobile games aren't yep. bad games software-wise; it's the control input and/or the method of selling them that bugs me. So, right. Um, some other stuff here. We'll just skip through. Your skiing looks hilarious and fun to me. That that's included with the system. Yeah. Um, and this is a uh, there's some kind of like a uh, cooking game here. Ratatouille. <laughs> um, anyways, we just keep going. Oh, there's Night Stalker too. Oh no, this is Dungeons and Dragons, which we didn't know about before. Right, and that's the that's the D and D you and I played the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, um, which is my favorite door. in television game. 
And here it yeah. is in all its glory, complete with uh, darkness and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, yeah, the, the lighting effects in it look really, really good. Night Stalker updated. Mm-hmm. Um, the Moon Patrol, one of your favorites. Yep. Yeah. Anyways, so much gameplay came out, and it looks really cool, and I'm really excited. I just hope that lag is not a real issue, and like you said, that's just a uh, optimization thing they can figure out. They're going to have to. I mean, I hope that the default controllers, the ones that come with it, certainly don't have lag. But um, I think the the idea of using your own cell phone as a controller so your buddies come over, you don't have to buy extra controllers, that's going to be awesome if there's no lag. So hopefully they work that out, and I'm sure they will. If we ever get Tommy on the show, Tommy, come on, buddy. Um, that's what I want to ask him. I, I haven't seen anybody ask that question yet, but uh, I haven't seen any offers for selling additional controllers and i want i wouldn't want two more cell phones i want controllers and then right. if that's uh, the case is there a dock to, to dock the to charge those controllers or how does that work right i i'm sure they're going to sell extra controllers they'd be foolish not to i mean yeah I, one thing i always found funny with xboxes is, is you go to buy an extra controller and they're like 70 bucks I mean, it's another way to make money and add it to your sales because there's no way those joysticks cost 70 bucks to, to make. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just, that's a logical way to make more money for a company is to just offer extra controllers. Yeah. Well, I mean, these controllers have a lot of stuff going on in them here too. So they're not sure. going to be cheap and they're going to be much smaller production runs. So they're not going right. to be cheap. Nope. Uh, uh, another new device that was announced in CES 2020, which I actually wanted and to I talk ha- about. Was that? Yeah, I haven't seen this. I haven't so, seen this. So, so basically, it's funny. So Alienware, who makes gaming PCs, decided yeah. to show their concept for a potential new device they want to make, which is an 8-inch handheld PC for gaming. And now, first of all, it looks really cool, but what does it look like to you? Right. It looks like a Switch Lite. <laughs> it, what, not, I wouldn't even say a Switch Lite. It looks like a Nintendo Switch. Uh, but the, the the controllers don't pop out. Oh, they don't? No. Where's the... Uh, oh, where's my picture here? So there it is. Notice the yep. lines on the side of the screen? Mm-hmm. And if I scroll down here, notice the controller, you can stick them in to play it. Oh, holy crap. It's a straight-up <laughs> Switch ripoff is what it is. They do come out. I didn't know that. <laughs> wow. And so, and so this, just like the Switch, it's a little manual whatever thing you can put the... If, I'm going to call them Joy-Cons in and make a little squarish controller... Uh, I mean, it's a switch. Um, they do. God, they, they have to get sued for that, right? <laughs> it's a concept, Eric. It's a concept. Yesterday, I just read that there's some company called Game Something that is suing Nintendo because they they had the concept of having a, a game device that had controllers that popped in and out on the sides. How much you want to bet? They that, had, how much you want to bet Alienware owns that company? <laughs> or, or we'll buy that company. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to help them sue. And at best, just break even and be like, all right, we're going to make this. Just don't don't bug us. Yeah. Um, it looks like I a- did re- And now that you're showing me this, I did read about a little bit about this a while back. So it's going to play like um, PC games, right? Like Steam games. It's not going to have like... It's not going to be just um, uh, custom games for this device. No, I it's, think a, it's a PC. Been- yeah. yeah, it's pretty much a PC, so you can play your Steam games on it. You can do whatever you want. Well, it's funny, because if, if you remember when I, about a year ago on the show, I was talking about one of my dream peripherals. I'm like, it'd be so cool if they made kind of like a Steam box, like we talked about. Yeah. But only one, with one spec, so that anybody who wants to release a game for that platform and PCs 
can meet yeah. the, the spec of that platform. It just becomes the standard. And it'd be cool if it was a Nintendo Switch style handheld with a big screen. This could be that thing. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what the cost of this, though, is. Oh, it looks cool. And uh, if, if it does play a large number of Steam games, this could be a purchase for me in the future. I could see myself getting into this. Yeah, the, the interesting thing is if the cost is right. You remember I was just telling you that I don't really have a good machine anymore to play my Steam library, which yep. is pretty pretty well-sized. Um, this would be perfect. This would be amazing. And you could dock this too, right? Then Wasn't that picture... I mean, the concept has a picture of a dock. Whether that does anything right now or not, I don't know. But, yep, I mean... Well, we're going to have to wait and see what the cost is because it could. Th- th- I could see this being very expensive. Yeah, I mean, it's Alienware, too. Alienware doesn't make cheap stuff. No, they don't. A new uh, <laughs> Switch game coming out in April here. Yeah, the, so in April, there's going to be Trials of Mana. Have you seen this? I am looking at it now. And it's going to be physical because I've seen the mock-up of the box. Comes with a free demo. Um, we can check it out. It's gonna be, there's going to be a demo. Uh, but the graphics on this look really... Awesome. So I, I, and this is, this is, a uh, the, the, this particular game is one I haven't really gotten into, you know, have you gotten into many of the mana games? So, um, you and I talked a little bit about this. I loved secret of, um, I'm not, sorry, not secret of mana. I've been wanting to play secret of mana, which is the three player super Nintendo one. Right. I grew up with um, Final Fantasy Adventure, okay. which is a Game Boy version of the second Mana game. They mm-hmm. just changed the name in America to make it Final Fantasy rather than an, of, of Mana game. So I love the style of game, and although it does look they, like they three Dified it, it's not a top down action adventure game now. It looks like it's a I don't know over the shoulder first person, third yeah. person action adventure game mm-hmm. yeah, yeah so i'm looking forward to this because i've never i've i've touched a few of these games where i've played maybe again two hours <laughs> but <laughs> i have never gotten too far in any of those mana games so i i do think that when this comes out i'm gonna give some serious thought especially since i've been playing yees and i love yees yeah and yees I've, I've, I think I've spent now more hours in Yeez on the Switch than I have any other game. Mm-hmm. It, uh, yeah, I love those games. And this is one of the grandfathers to that style of game, along with Yeez. Um, yeah, I still, I mean, I want to play Secret of Mana still, and I need to play some of the other ones. But um, by the time I finish those, maybe this will be down to 20, 30 bucks. <laughs> 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 or else I'll buy a physical copy. If it, that, This game might come out physical, so... It's, big, it, it's, it's definitely going to be physical, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm I'm going to buy the physical copy of this for sure. Yeah, a new um, Nintendo 64 game was found. These things keep yep. popping up. I did see this one, and I've been meaning to download it, and I just haven't had time. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't even thought about downloading it yet, honestly. Um, long story short. A uh, game was being made. I don't know if you've ever played the original Viewpoint games, or like a isometric shmup uh i hate them because they're isometric (laughs) i love that i love that it's a shmup but it's isometric which kills me um so this game uh was i don't know if it was found on a prototype cart or what but apparently someone randomly uh 
listed a new game called Viewpoint 2064, which is funny because 64 games always had 64 in the title, right? Right. Um, not Commodore 64 games, but... And uh, somebody randomly, anonymous user, uploaded a, a ROM of it. Um, and everybody found out about it, and now it's all over the place. And it looks like it is, first of all, non-isometric, which is good for me. Um, it's almost like a Panzer Dragoon, you know, Star Fox style, into the screen shooter, um, Space Harrier kind of a thing. It looks it looks awesome. I mean, I, I want to yeah. try this on the original hardware. And from what I understand, you can download this, right? I believe so. Um, I think you can download it and just slap it on an Ember drive or whatever and try to play it. Although it's funny because I'm pretty sure... If, I can't tell if this person doesn't know how to play or if the gameplay is different because he's only sliding along the bottom of the ground. He's not going up or down. But in Viewpoint... I, no, Viewpoint, you can't go up or down. Interesting. It's almost like a uh, vertical shooter where you can only go up, down, left, and right, but you're behind it first person. You think you can go, like, elevate up and down, but no, you can only go into the screen and back and left and right. Hmm. I don't know. That's just from the gameplay I'm looking at, but worth a shot. I'm going to give it a shot. looks cool. Yeah. When I I saw this, uh, I I thought... I put it on my to-do list to go download it, and I haven't gotten to it yet. But uh, it it looks like one that's going to be at least fun to try. Yeah, iRacing has been getting popular, huh? Are you familiar? I, with- I don't know. You're going to have to fill me in. I, I don't. <laughs> I I don't follow racing very much, but I've 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 heard here and there about how some of the professional racers are actually doing some kind of video game racing and it's yeah, being televised I mean, or something. Is that, yeah, is that the gist of it? Yeah, it's the gist of it. Um, Almost all major, I mean, F1's doing it, NASCAR's doing it, um, and NASCAR's doing it through sim racing, which is a very accurate, um, although not the prettiest uh, emulation, but it's, you know, very accurate, physics are perfectly accurate, um, PC game, if you will, that people all over the world can log into and race each other, you know, people that do the full-on seats and chairs and um, racing wheels and gear change box and all the whole thing. Um and so their NASCAR actually has most of the drivers every Sunday racing at 1030. And they're doing real, basically full-on NASCAR races, trying to make it as much like the regular schedule as possible. Um, so do they do they sit in a simulator of some kind, or are they just playing a video game on a PS4 somewhere or something like that? No, they're, they're basically, they all have simulators at their house, basically, if you want to call it that. The full-on racing huh. rig. Um, some people just have, uh, you know, the wheel and the pedals on their desk and some guys have the full on, you know, multiple screens with the cockpit and everything. But, um, no, I mean, they're, it's, it's simulated racing. It's very accurate. Um, the NASCAR guys crash constantly and for good, <laughs> I mean, there's a bunch of information they don't have. So you have to imagine in a NASCAR, you're only, honestly, you're only seeing like the, uh, almost like a 20 degree view of what's ahead of you because, You've got blinders on both sides protecting your head. You can't see out the windows. You can see out the front windscreen. <clears throat> so all that information is coming from a spotter. Well, they don't have spotters in, in the race, in the iRacing. Okay. <clears throat> I think they actually, this last race, they implemented spotters. But So they're used to going around a corner and waiting for their spotter to tell them they're clear before they go up in front of the car again. So these guys are racing hard. They're all extremely competitive. And, of course, one racer touches another they all crash so that's it's happening constantly 
Um, they're getting better at it. But I did watch the F1. Tim Drew told me about the F1 racing being better. And they're actually using their F1 video game. Um, and it's actually it was actually really good racing. It, it, I mean, you could easily lose yourself in it and forget that it was fake. Um, the hmm. racing was really competitive and, and really good. And they, they have both these series have spot, or, um, commentators going through the whole race and talking about it. And they don't pretend that it's real, but they do go through the race as if it was a real race because it is a real race. Um, pointing out some of the changes um they have things called resets you get one reset where if you completely crash your car you can uh go to the pits and get a basically a brand new car you can do that once um so there's a few a few changes that you know it's not perfectly real but uh it's competitive and and it's fun but i wonder if that if if the iRacing thing will because i this is the first time i've heard of it and oh really i'm sure i'm not the only person who this is the first time they've heard of it um, I wonder if if this is going to blow it open, like even when things get back to normal or somewhat normal, if this will it, it, it'll increase the popularity of this. I'm sure. I'm sure it will. Um, I mean, it's yeah. already it's already for the hardcore iRacer guys. I mean, there's a lot of people out there, um, but I think you're right. I think it's it's getting it's going to get bigger. Where do we order our left turn simulators? Your left turn simulator. <laughs> yeah, isn't that what NASCAR is? It four left turns. That's it. Uh, Pocono Raceway's got three. They've only got three corners there. Uh, Laguna, okay. or, uh, the one we have here closest to us is a road course, so they have right turns as well. Oh, but yeah, okay. for the most part, they're they're circles. Okay, cool. We, we won't get I into an get argument that. about that here. <laughs> 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 it's good racing, all right? It's good racing. Okay, right on. Vampire Vengeance. Vampire Vengeance. What is yeah. that, Eric? Do you uh did you ever watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I you know that was a l- I was a little bit young for that. Um, that's true. That's true. I forget. I I was actually a big fan of it, of Buffy <laughs> the TV show, not the yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, um, what's her name? Sarah something. Sarah Geller? Geller? Galar? I think it's she pronounces it Galar. Oh, really? Um didn't, yeah, it, didn't Sarah, she have one of those names that has like four names in it and you have to say all of them. You can't just call her Sarah. I think you're probably right. I don't know. Sarah Michelle Geller. Sarah that's, Michelle Geller. That's, that's right. That's what that's it right. was. Um, I actually really dug that dug that show. I thought it was pretty cool. I watched it all the time. But yeah. anyway, I was quite a bit younger. Uh, but anyway, I was jonesing to try to find a new ZX Spectrum game. Okay. So I went online to look at the new batch from the last couple of months. The new goodness. And I found a game called Vampire Vengeance, and it is a platformer where you are a vampire. And the the kind of gimmick in this game, which is a blast, is you can turn into a bat. Oh, I remember seeing, um, yeah, I saw this on Indie Retro News. Yeah, and, and you turn into a bat, and then you fly. Now, you can't attack the bad guy unless you are the vampire. And okay. w- when you attack, you just hold the button down and run into him. And you suck his blood or whatever that, whatever you do. <laughs> I think you make out. It looks like you make out with a guy. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, as they will, you know, as vampires do. Vampire, yeah, creatures of the night. And um, and that's it. And then you clear the level. The little door opens, like that one at the top opens up, and you go through it. And then it you're looks on really level good. Two. And you basically, that's the gimmick, is you jump on there and you... So it's a simple premise, but it it is challenging and it is a lot of fun. I played, I think I got through five or six levels. Um, 
but you should give this one a shot. It'll play on a 48K Spectrum, which is how I played it. Yeah, it does look really good. And I've noticed in the last, like, three weeks, we've been, mm-hmm. I swear, like, two to three Spectrum games a day. Um, well, I have a backlog of Spectrum games I need to try now. Yeah, now, so I'm probably getting this wrong, but there's there's an, a game engine builder like you know it's like you know the um shoot 'em up construction set on the Commodore okay, 64 yeah, yeah, yeah. where people can just pump out shoot this uses that this uses a a system i think it's called ACG i don't know what that stands for but um it it basically is a game builder and people that's why you're seeing this flood of ZX Spectrum games is they're using this and just like with shoot 'em up construction set on the Commodore 64 there are ones that are garbage and there are ones that are really good. And the Vampire Vengeance one is really good. It's a lot of fun. So as of today, um, we're recording on the April 13th. I'm looking and like just today, a game called <laughs> Jumpin' Jupiter came out. Looks like a very similar. I mean, it looks different, but I could see that being the same engine. And then right here is Donterfific. And that looks a lot like the Vampire game. It does. Yeah. Um. Here's another I'm one. If the, Funky Fungus wonder, Reloaded. Yep, I'm wondering if these are um, if there was some kind of um, competition that uses use that engine or something because there do, does seem to be a ton of games coming out. Here's Papyrus, a pyramid platformer that looks similar as well. Yeah, and it's fun because they all look really good. <laughs> um, yeah, and they are. And this, like they said, the Vampire Vengeance game is is a blast, a lot of fun to play. Very cool. Um, have you seen Mr. Driller Drillland? Have you seen this what? one yet? So what? I, I knew you'd be excited, so I had to bring this up. Um, this is an g- upcoming game for Nintendo Switch is that, that's coming, okay. and it looks it looks so good. <laughs> um, it's Mr. Driller. Did you, see me, did you see me playing this recently? Drillland? No, Mr. Driller. Just so I uh, I was playing um, Wonder Swan. Wonder Swan Color. Oh yeah, yeah okay. I was doing it on that new device I have, the Retro Flag. So it's a Wonder Swan color emulator that's on my little Retro yeah, yeah, Flag yeah. handheld device. But I didn't know there was a Color Swan color Mr. Driller. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was is. just Mr. Driller, but it's a great version. It runs great. Yeah, nah, that Wonder Swan's fun. It's a fun system. You should get one. They're not too expensive either. Yeah. Um, so tell me about this. Well, first of all, look at it. It looks great. It looks um, beautiful. But what's cool, so you're at, I guess you're Mr. Driller at an amusement park, and there's all these different levels, and basically it does everything I want. First of all, I love Mr. Driller games, but in the Me past, too. most of them have been very linear. Like, beat this level, now beat this level, now beat this level, you died, try again. Um, yeah. And I still do a ton of that, but um, this one has different characters, different modes, different objectives. Um, I don't, I looked into it before, uh... And I don't remember all of it. Here's a robot thing. You can play as a dog. Um, you can play locally with four players, Eric. Woo! Um, I wonder I like if you can it. play online with four players. But look at this. That's four player where everyone's drilling and attacking at the same time. Um, there's a casual mode where not, there's no timer. Um, it's more of a puzzle game at that point. I don't know. There's just all these different modes and stuff. Um, coming out June 25th, 2020. Oh, that looks yeah. good. I definitely want to get that because I've been I've been digging Mr. Driller for the last six months. I it's one of my go to games just for relaxing. Great game. Um, Pico, the uh, company that releases all the old games, are they called Pico Interactive? What are they called? Pico 
PIKO. Um, anyways, they it's a company they they do like Super Noah's Ark <laughs> and some of those other games. If you go, if you get anything, any, uh, any EverDrives from Stone Age Gamer, all their games for that particular system come pre-installed. Um, anyways, it's a guy that buys all these old games and re-releases them. He just acquired the rights to some arcade games from a company called Unico or Uniana. I guess they had two different names. Um, some games called Masters Fury, Legend of Silk Road, Dragon Master, and a few other ones. I don't know a ton about these. I can't imagine them being great. But what's cool about it is these games he acquired and is going to be releasing for sale. I mean, he sells them. Uh, they're all never-before-dumped ROMs, so they're all new games for for uh, the masses, I guess. So um, are these... What What is this for? Is it just MAME or something? They're, well, they're arcade games, and he releases... Uh, stuff for all kinds of systems oh cool um let's see if i can pull up the website and i'm probably gonna favorite fail here let's see pico interactive anyways here's the company so um he might not amount so here's all this different systems he has games on okay um so for example like nintendo 64 he re- released 40 winks you can buy that right now if you wanted to uh they're kind of random ones uh jim powers on the Amiga CD32. Let's see. Oh, on the Turbo Graphics as well. Um, let's see, Super Nintendo had a bunch. There we go. Dork and Yimp. That was another um, previously unreleased Super Nintendo game that he released. Um, that one's actually kind of fun, to be honest. Anyways, game's coming out. So really done, previously unreleased. Games. Yeah. Awesome. So the next one is, I don't know if you've heard about this one, but uh, there's a Fix-It Felix Jr. coming out on the Commodore 64. Yeah, and it, looked, it looked like a port of the, um, I think it started on Genesis originally. Uh, something like that. I, I don't remember exactly, but the interesting thing is that it's this is already getting a lot of buzz online that it's one of the better, oh, there it is, yeah, for the Sega, Jun- Sega Genesis. So someone actually made an arcade, an actual arcade game of this, where they actually put it into a physical arcade cabinet. Yeah, yeah. And then they ported it to the Gen. I think it was a Genesis game the whole time. Um, but yeah, now they're porting that to the Commodore, huh? Yeah, I don't know if you can pull it up because it does look like it's going to be pretty amazing. And from what I understand, it's right around the corner. It's not going to be too far away from release if it hasn't already. But um, it's by Antonio Savant Savanas. Savona, Savona, I think is his name, right? Um, but he's come out with a he's come out with a ton of games on the Commodore sixty four, and they're all pretty good games. Yeah. So We're, chances are this one's going to be pretty good as well. I mean, you yeah, can, it looks t- solid. Yeah, I mean, check this out. I mean, that this I looks like uh, this looks like almost like a, the the picture of the arcade machine from the uh, movie. <laughs> yeah. No, it looks it looks solid. I have to say, the colors look a little drab, though. <laughs> Uh, Commodore. <laughs> no, it looks really good. Yeah, so I, this is something to look forward to. I I, I, uh, I have to admit, I haven't played Fix-It Felix or Fix-It Felix Jr. Um, I've se- I saw the movie, of course, but I never tried to play the arcade game that came out. Yeah, I mean, it was a little home homebrew fan project, but it's kind of blown up. Um, it's supposed yeah. to be pretty good. I haven't, I haven't played it either. The uh, PC Engine Mini has been released. Yeah. During uh, during this whole situation, this whole COVID thing, and um, 
Now, I, I didn't hear. I, I know the PC engines went out everybody everywhere. Did Turbo Graphics end up shipping in America or no? I don't think so, but I could be wrong on that. Um, I saw an unboxing of the PC Engine version. There's a guy um, that I know that lives. He's a YouTube streamer in Davis. Um, he partnered with somebody where they opened one online. They were kind of doing a Skype thing and they opened one of the PC engine ones online and they unboxed it. And I actually was just kind of on my phone and saw it pop up as a, as a YouTube thing. So I, I jumped on it just for a short while and they unboxed it and they plugged it in and it, it, it looks pretty awesome. I mean, the, the games on there, the menu system looks great. It looks solid. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to grab one as soon as they're available. Yeah, I, I think I'll do it too. Even though I literally have my Turbo Graphics plugged in behind <laughs> me, I'm going to grab a, a probably a PC. See, I don't know. The PC Engine Mini is not much smaller than the regular size PC Engine. <laughs> nope. Um, the only the only cool thing is that I mean, it'll plug into a modern TV. So just like my, all my other minis, I'll I'll yep. play them downstairs on the big TV just for fun. Um, it it won't take away from me playing my originals, but for convenience and save game states and all that cool stuff. Yeah. So some cool things that people have found out since getting theirs, um, there's some secret games on there. So if you go to Gradius and press a certain button combination, you can also play uh, the arcade version of Gradius. Oh, um, cool. I heard to, that. If you go to Fantasy Zone and press that same series of buttons, you can play the Fantasy Zone arcade version of Fantasy Zone. And uh, probably the coolest one for me is if you go to Soldier Blade, you can play a caravan version we've talked about in the past where you basically play a two or five minute, um, your choice, two or five minute uh, high score competition version of Soldier Blade. Oh, that sounds cool. Um, you can also go into settings and swap all the Japanese games into English. So Ooh. that's cool. Um, and then the TurboGrafx-16 Mini, some of the uh, reviewers did get... They, well, I don't think they were released, but they did get um, their review copies. Again, for some reason, we just keep missing that list, Eric. I know. Um, but if you go to Salamander on your TurboGrafx-16, um, there's a, some buttons you can press on there. That gives you two other games that were not mentioned, and they're kind of hidden in there. One is called Force Gear, and the other one you'll know is Twinbee. Oh, man, Twinbee's awesome. Yeah, it's fun to queue them up. I haven't heard of the Force Gear one. Do you know what kind of game that is? You know, I looked it up, and I forget now, but it looked... I remember it looking really cool. Let's type it in really quick. Force Gear PC Engine. There you go. That's a, It's a shmup. It's like a... Um, oh, cool. Well, I mean, there's nothing better than shmups on PC Engine. I mean, that's... that's Yeah. It's a shmup, but it's actually... it's the, For whatever... This is one of my pet peeves, too, when it comes to shmups. Although you can see mm-hmm. it, Gradius, it looks like it uses the, the Gradius Salamander engine, so that's good. Yeah. Um, I have, I ha- I struggle with shmups where you are, like in this case, a robot that like transforms back and forth between a ship and a robot. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why I struggle with that. Um, but this game is very Gradius looking, which is a good thing. Wow, you even have to shoot the fight the same ship where you shoot the core. Yeah. Huh. This actually does no, look the good. graphics look great on it. So that's cool. So this is one of the hidden games with Twinbee. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Awesome. How's, how's that beer doing? I heard the last of it go down there. Yeah, I got a little tiny bit, which I'm going to put down right now. <laughs> I'm right behind you. You can tell me about the next game you, uh, you're you talking about here. Let me take a look here. 
Let me let me see what I wrote. Can you get your readers on? Yeah, exactly. Physical copies are now available for pre-order of Streets of Rage for. for... Boom. This is this is one of those games that is getting some hate online because some people don't like the art style. They don't like some some other thing, whatever. I I am so looking. I'm so looking forward to this game and the art style. To me, I like it. Uh, it's taken me some getting used to, but but they keep working on making this game better. And now there's something like sixteen characters or something like that. I, I don't That's remember fun. the number, but there there's a ton of different characters, not just three or four. There's going to be a ton of different playable characters in the game, and uh, see that that woman playing Animal Crossing. That's one of them. No, <laughs> um, so there's going to be a bunch of different unlockable play. And dude, I, I'm down with this game. I like I told you, one of my favorite my my absolute favorite game on Genesis is Streets of Rage Two. Like, yeah, uh, it's my favorite one on the platform. Oh, I've heard. So, Eric. I've heard. Oh yeah, yeah. And so this is going to be awesome and. I would like to get the physical copy of this, so I probably yeah. will be doing the... tons of sprites on the screen kicking each other's butts. Yeah, what what could be better? Did you, have, did you ever play the uh, Double Dragon uh, reboot they did like eight years ago? It was no, like, I didn't. No, I didn't. So I, if this feels good? similar to me. You can, you can still get it. Uh, Double Dragon Neon. Yeah, here it is. And actually, uh, to me, it looks kind of similar, but they really um, uh, crank up the neon on this game. Um, Actually, this one almost looks like it flows even smoother. In a, what was this on? Is in this a bad PC? way. It was released on all kinds of things. I play, I I own it on PlayStation, uh, PlayStation okay. Three. Actually, I wonder if it's on Switch. Actually, this looks kind of. You can see this one moves a lot slower and yeah. smooth, smoother, but slower. Actually, the Streets of Rage looked even better. But even this game was fun. Um, I had fun with it. Anyways, huh. It looks good. But anyway, so there's going to be physical copies. Um, I think that's through Limited Run. Yeah, that's through Limited Run game. So I know you don't like to wait in line and grab those, but I, I may do that. I'm not sure yet, but we'll see. <laughs> you know, the, the one thing I'll say that, especially being in uh, this hellish apocalyptic nightmare, is that I've started to actually appreciate uh, digital downloads because they're always available. You don't have to go looking for the cartridge to swap out. So for, I mean, some, yeah. games, for I, some games, I think digital downloads like the, the is actually pretty handy. I, I mean, it's handy. It's just, I'm not going to pay as much for it. That's, that's all it is yeah. to me. I, um, yeah, I, I understand that. Cause as far as my mind works and it, it makes sense to me is you're, you're renting it. So I'll pay a rental price for it. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'll rent it until it stops working. And so if, if it's a really big game and I pay fourteen ninety nine to play it, and then the rental ends in three years or four years, or some they lose licenses or whatever, then okay, I rented it for fifteen bucks. But is um, your feelings the same for like Steam? Because I mean, you can't even buy PC games anymore, physical copies. I mean, it's all digital. That's funny because on Steam they go even cheaper. Um, I pay more on the Switch just because I love the form factor. Mm-hmm. And on Steam, my issue is that the other issue I have, which is. Uh, computers are not all the same specs so i never know if the game's going to run right or if i have to download things or mess with things i just want that's why i love my consoles you plug it in it works because it says nintendo switch on the cartridge yeah um 
Nonetheless, uh, the future was 8-bit. Tim wanted us to mention uh, there's some new games in the 9.99 pound range from the future was 8-bit. Um, Excellent. Some of them are on hold as supply of printing has stopped. So that's an that's a little bit of an issue. But games are going to get a release when the printers uh, that they use open up again, with new improved artwork and more games in the range to be added. So, wow, good to know. Uh, yeah. Everyone's affected by this a little differently, but um, I am looking on there right now. It's cool that they all have these little sleeves now. Um, Super Gotron and Crazy Blaster and. I have to admit, I mean, I have the penultimate and um, I've downloaded a bunch of games, but there are a couple of games that I ended up really enjoying that I want to get on physical. So I'm going to take advantage of this as soon as he's back up and running with. Uh, I might I might join you so that we can save on shipping because I've been do- wanting, be wanting to do that, too. Awesome. Specifically, the Vic 20 games for some reason. Yeah, R- I'd, really love interest me. I'd love to get Nibbler on cartridge. Um. And there's a couple other ones. Yeah. Cool. One last piece of news I wanted to run over uh, with you here, and that is that Sony PlayStation 5 Mm -hmm. has announced and shown its new controller. Love it or hate it, Eric. There it is. I've heard all the hatred. I've seen it on Twitter. You have? I've I've sensed the pulsing hate of the Twitter community on this. So so I don't follow that stuff. Okay. I, uh, I, I do. I see things pop up in my Twitter feed about the hatred, and I don't know where it's coming from. I think it looks pretty cool. It's gorgeous. It is gorgeous. Yeah, I, I think it's gorgeous, and I don't think it looks... I think it... I, well, let me rephrase that. I think it looks like it's going to be ergonomic, so it's going to feel fine. Um, it's funny. Cause I, I don't, it doesn't look that much different than all the other controllers, the Microsoft or current uh, DualShock to me. I mean... There's some right. changes in the in where it's round and what I mean, it looks very similar. It just mm-hmm. the the fact that it has a white and black dual tone, dual tone, makes it look mm-hmm. a lot different. But it's not. Yeah, I've heard some people call it, like call it the boomerang and and. Uh, do you remember the just, PS3 controller boomerang? I do. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the boomerang. I, I think it looks amazing, and I think it looks really. I mean, I, I think it would be very comfortable. It seems like it would be very comfortable. I don't. I, I just don't get it. I don't know what what people want anymore. I, I'm so out of touch with this world. Yeah, no. I, I I think it looks great. It looks amazing. Yeah. I, it it's so it's white and black, the two tone color, a little bluey, or at least in the picture here, blue glowy bits around the uh, touchpad. I mean, t- it, again, everything is right where it would be on a PlayStation Four controller. A dual shock. Um, the shape is a little bit more rounded. It looks a little bit more ergonomical in in concept. Um, it, I, it looks great. Um, That's some- what's funny is I think the two tone color is throwing some people off. I bet that if that if you had shown that same design but done a solid black, people would have been less inclined to say negative things about it. Um, the proof's going to be, does it work well? I mean, that, that, that to me is the ultimate thing. I just like it how it looks. I don't care about how it feels. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a few other things they're putting in here, which is cool. So I'll mention them real quick. Um, they call it adaptive triggers so that you can actually adjust the resistance in the triggers. I mean, come on. Huh. How can people argue with all these extra things they're giving you? Sure. Um, that's pretty cool. I mean... Some controllers I have where the triggers just instantly go straight to the bottom, and you're like, I wish there was 
you know, again, it sounds ridiculous, but I wish there was more resistance so I can control how far I'm pushing it for like a racing game or something yeah. like that. So you got to adjust that. Um, they call it new haptic feedback technology, uh, which will be more advanced than the old-fashioned Rumble hardware. Um, so it sounds like it'll be more similar to the Rumble on a Switch, which is very accurate. Yeah. Um, and a couple other things, motion sensing and things that they're improving, but I think it looks cool. They haven't shown a picture of the... I mean, I've seen like people's... What they think the PS5 in general is going to look like. Um, but they haven't come out with what, what it really is going to look like yet, have they? I think they... I want to say they did. And if it, it's one of those things where I thought the same thing. Is that the real one or not? But it was so similar to the PlayStation 4. My guess is it probably was. Um, okay. Because I saw the one that kind of looked like the Jaguar a little bit. You know what I mean? It was kind of weird, kind of funky looking. Like, there it is. I like love this. One. I love this. I think they said this was the, the prototype they were using for like dev kits. Okay. That big V. Yeah, it's got um, a weird like uh, lump. <laughs> lump. Um, I think it's cool. I mean, it looks like Star Wars. Um, <laughs> no, I don't see. I can't see the one that I uh, that I saw. But basically it looked like a white version to kind of match this controller of the current PlayStation four with like a little bit of blue piping to kind of like match the controller. Yeah. And that, I believe that would be probably pretty close. But. Yeah. All right, guys, cool. that's the news. Um, Eric, we're going to go ahead and hop into Cody's corner in which I do actually you know what? It's not Cody's corner this month. I am sorry. I'm doing what? a first, I'm doing a first $100 segment. <laughs> Haven't done that in a while. So, uh, first $100 with uh, Sega Genesis. Ooh, fancy. Uh, we've got Eric's take. Speaking of fancy, Eric's taking <laughs> on Fancy Nancy Drew. That's Na- right. Fr- Nancy freaking <laughs> Drew. Drew. <laughs> Nancy freaking Drew. What? That's right. And then uh, we've got our boy Tim. Doing tea time, uh, and it's just, I, I have not heard it yet. It's talk, it's just called Tim and Danica, which is his daughter. So they've been playing some games, I think, together. We'll hear that. And then right after that, Eric and I will be back to drink some more beer and talk about six good isometric games, if you can believe that. Ooh. I'm looking forward to it. $100! Hey guys, it's uh, Cody with another installment of First $100, the segment I do from time to time here where I say, hey, I if I were to just get a new system and I had $100 to buy games, what would I buy? Um, so this month we're going to take a look at the Sega Genesis. Um is what they call it here in America, or uh, Mega Drive everywhere else, right? Um, and first of all, I want to point out that these games are very cool and actually very collectible because they do have a nice hard chill uh, plastic case with cover art front and back, um, manual slot inside. So where a lot of these older systems, I don't care too much about the physical media. Uh, the Genesis, I, I prefer to get them in their box. Um, so... Interesting thing about that, however, um, there is a 
price surge, if you will, on boxed copies. Now, you can get individual individual Genesis carts still pretty inexpensive, but these uh, boxed copies, especially ones in good condition, are jumping uh, jumping up. They've gone up about threefold in the last three years. So um, I wanted to do my episode based off of the boxed prices, but we're going to end up with like four total games, and that's just not good enough. Um, so I'm going to go off of the bear cart version, but I would highly recommend if you're going to collect these games to, to do them with the boxes. I think that's, that's the, uh, the benefit there. But if you're getting them just because you want to buy the actual, uh, hardware, the actual physical (laughs) hardware version of the software, I guess, um, and you just want the carts to play the games, well, then here's my first $100. So right off the, the bat, there's a bunch of classic sega genesis games um and if you buy the sega six pack cartridge you're going to get pretty much all of them or at least a taste of all of them so the sega six pack cartridge goes for about nine bucks right now uh it's a cartridge that came out later on in the in the lifespan of the uh genesis to get more people to keep buying it um rather than jumping over to the new hotness right and it includes sonic the hedgehog which is a must-have Golden Axe, which is a classic Genesis game. Columns, which is arguably one of the best games on the system. People love it. It's a great puzzle game. Uh, Revenge of Shinobi, which uh, a lot of people love the Shinobi games on the Genesis. They don't do it for me as much, but they do look great. Um, There's some fun. There's some fun to be had there. Uh, Streets of Rage. So now you've got your beat-em-up, right? Your side-scrolling Final Fight kind of scrolling beat-em-up. An absolute classic on the system. One of Eric's favorites. I know he loves, I think Streets of Rage 2 is his absolute favorite. And then we've got Super Hang On. So you've got some cool racing action there. The reason I wanted to throw this one in, uh, obviously it's a good bang for the buck, but it kind of gets all of our, not all, of, but most of our genres out of the way as well. Um, if you were to get this box, it's still pretty expensive, honestly. It's uh, going for like 16 bucks boxed. Um, but I mean, it's a, it's a collaborate. It's a six pack. It's not even that cool of a box. It's you know, it says six pack. It has a little picture of each one. Um, but you have to you got to start your collection there. So you have a whole lot of games to play right off the bat. I mean, that cart will keep you busy for for months. Um, the next game I want to throw in here because I think it is unique and at the price point, it's a must have for me. It's a lot of fun. It gets overlooked a lot a lot. But that is Sonic Spinball. Um, it goes for about six bucks. And it's a really cool hybrid pinball game where the ball itself is Sonic rolled up and you're playing pinball and then um, the tables kind of morph into other tables. You can go into certain areas after unlocking things to go to different tables. Um, but it's all got this Sonic, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog versus Dr. Robotnik theme to it. Uh, very cool. Um, some of my favorite levels on Sonic 2, for example, are the uh, casino stage, which has a lot of pinball elements. So this is like the best part of Sonic 2 to me, just wrapped up in one entire game. Uh, I think it's a, it's a must-have for your first $100. This next game is such a cool game um, that I think it needs to be included. I, it's one of my favorite games not to play necessarily, but just to have because it's so unique. We've talked about it before, and that is uh, Comics Zone. C-O-M-I-X Zone. For about $15, you can get this game... Um, loose cartridge and it's a really cool like story-based beat-em-up but you're playing in the panels of a comic book strip so you're an uh, kind of action hero guy 
and you know you might hop into the first first uh, square of the comic and then beat up a few guys and then you punch a guy and all of a sudden he goes through and rips through the uh, the edge of that square and leads your your character towards the next panel and then there a story might happen in which case he finds out that a sewer grate um, opens up down below him and uh, he hops down there to go to the next panel. So basically just a really cool concept, uh, fun enough game, kind of difficult, but uh, worth getting just for the uh, concept alone. I wanted to throw World of Illusion in here. It's another uh, Mickey Mouse game. We've covered Castle of Illusion on the show, both the Genesis and the Master System version. Um, however, it's just a good, solid platformer. If you just want a straight, good, solid platformer, uh, this Mickey Mouse game seems kind of a, like childish, but it's just it's good action and... Um, Graphics are solid and rounded, and I don't know if it's a weird word to use, but rounded. It just feels very tactile. It's just um, just a good quality game. Uh, Fun. If you want to play a platformer for a night or two and and beat it and feel accomplished, this is uh, a good one to go to, but always fun to come back and revisit as well. In that same vein, I would suggest Kid Chameleon. Um, World of Illusion goes for about 12 bucks, uh, whereas Castle of Illusion goes for about uh, 19 20 so that's why I'm going to go with World of Illusion, by the way. Kid Chameleon, for about 11 bucks, uh, is a really kind of unique uh, platform game where you are a boy um, in this fantasy world. Uh, each level you play, you know, you got your lava level and your forest level and those kind of tropes. Um, but you get these power-ups, which change your armor. You can get armor or uh, you can become a samurai, I believe. You get these these different suits, kind of like, uh, almost like Mario. And... Um, it's a fun game. Uh, it's a long playtime. Um, I like to throw this in about once a year and try to play through uh, four or five levels, which takes a good hour. Um, small sprites, which is kind of uh, unique because a lot of the, the Sega Genesis games have larger, chunky sprites. Um, fun little change of pace. I think it's a great game. You've got to have NBA Jam in here. It's a simple three-button game. You don't need more than that. The Genesis controller is perfect. And for six bucks, I think this is a great system to play it on. Um, NBA Jam's got to go on the list as well, which, of course, is an arcade two-on-two basketball game. Uh, Over-the-top arcade super fun, crazy high dunks where you jump three times the height of the basket and dunk it, and things catch on fire just for the heck of it. And you got a commentator yelling at you the whole time, he's heating up! Um... Vector Man for seven dollars. Uh, this would be my run and gun on the on the list. It's a good game. Um, it's supposed to be really, you know, technically advanced at the time, and it doesn't quite hold up. Uh, but it is cool. Everything's kind of made out of orbs put together, like tied together with string almost. But you're a little man, Vector Man, made out of vectors, I guess, made out of orbs, and you can uh, shoot things, and you're going up and down all over the place, with scrolling vertically and horizontally. Um, but it's a run and gun. And uh, for seven bucks, is a great run and gun. Uh, good times here. I, I, I've beat this one, and Vector Man 2 I think I've beat as well. They're both similar in price, uh, but they're both equally as good. Um, and then I wanted to make sure I get a shmup in here, so I threw in Biohazard Battle uh, for $16. It's a unique shmup. Um, there's a lot of unique shmups that are specific to the Genesis, um, but a lot of them go going for 30 to $80 each now. Uh, this game goes for $16. It's a really cool um, animal, kind of mutated animal, you know, biohazard, right? Uh, kind of a shmup where you're a ship and, and these kind of mutated 
creatures and stuff are coming at you. Um, kind of has that underwatery feel, even though it's not underwater. But the uh, the characters are um, you know serpents and things like that attacking you, but they're flying for the most part. Uh, great game. Uh, I wanted to get a good racer on here, even though in, in the six and one you've got. Um, hang on. So I want to throw a Lotus 2 on here, and it's only 5 bucks. For 5 bucks, I, l- I would love a Lotus 2 pickup. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't played it on the Genesis. A lot of Amiga games that people uh, are, are in love with, a lot of them, you guys that listen to the show, um, have been ported to the Genesis. And this is one. I've played it on my Amiga. It's one of my favorite Amiga games. I'm going to definitely go to shot on the Genesis. Uh, I do like Lotus 2, and for 5 bucks. My my guess is it's a good version. I probably should have double-checked that before I said it here, but that's the truth. And then the last game here, I've got 15 bucks left. I wanted to pick another game that was kind of unusual, at least for the American market. Uh, a lot of people probably overlooked this one and never played it. Uh, and it's called Soldiers of Fortune, and it's $15. Um, for those who, who've played Amiga or have a, 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 a Mega Drive overseas, you know this game as Chaos Engine. Really cool game. I have played both the Amiga and the Genesis version. Um, I still think the, the Amiga edges it out, but the Genesis does a great job as well. They're very similar. Uh, colors are just a little more dead in the Genesis version, uh, but the gameplay is there. Really fun, top-down, um, almost uh, run-and-gun, and kind of like a in Contra Super C or some of the top-down levels of Contra. Very similar to that, but big, chunky... Um, sprites of just kind of yoked military guys shooting at each other. Um, super fun game. Definitely give that a pick up. Really quick, just a couple of, of of honorable mentions. I wanted to throw Rocket Knight Adventures in here. I do love that game. It's one of my favorite Genesis games. Um, but it's going for 22 bucks. Hard to kick so many of these other great games out just for one game. Um... And, of course, if I didn't have Sonic on the 6-in-1, I would say pick up Sonic 2, which goes for, like, 8 bucks. Um, it's, it is the best Sonic, in my opinion. It is a really solid game at a really good price. And, um, I mean, everyone's probably played it, but it, it, I mean, it's one you're going to go back for. So, there is my first $100 to spend on your new Sega Genesis. I'll run it down real quick one more time. Uh, the Sega 6-in-1, Sonic Spinball... Comic Zone, World of Illusion, NBA Jam, Kid Chameleon, Vectorman, Biohazard Battle, Lotus 2, and Soldiers of Fortune. This month for Eric's Take, I wanted to talk about a genre of games that we don't really discuss much on the podcast. And that is going to be... How would you explain what the Nancy Drew game... What would you explain that as? I think they're first-person mm-hmm. video games, um, and they're you solve mysteries. So you- mystery... Like an interactive mystery. Y- yes, that's fair. Okay. And I should introduce you. This is Jennifer McManch. This is my wife. Hello. And since we are a gaming podcast that also drinks beer, we are sharing a beer. And it is a German Leonberger Pilsner. 
from a local brewery called Dreaming Dog Brewery. One of our favorite breweries. Yep. And it's a pretty good beer, too. Okay. So, let's discuss the history of the Nancy Drew games. So, the first one came out in 1998. So, these are pretty much considered retro. Okay. Um, they are multimedia games. I think they all came on. None of them came on floppy disks. They were all after kind of the CD-ROM era, right? I only remember CD-ROM. Okay. And um, the, the company that makes them, for the most part, is Her Interactive, right? That's who I've always known to make them. And it's, based on my notes here, it is H-E, capital H, lowercase e, capital R. And I'm not sure why that is, but that's the way it is documented. And they're out of Bellevue, Washington. Okay. Um, so they've been doing these titles since 1998, and they have a stunning number of games... Um, it's 33 as of the last one, and that is just in their main line of Nancy Drew games. Yeah, I went through, you compiled the list, mm -hmm. and I honest, I've played all of them, but I honestly didn't realize how long the list was. Like, there were so many. I, I recognize each title, but I don't remember all of them. You don't, okay, so you don't remember all of them. Did you read any of the Nancy Drew books based on them? Because in the notes that I read, some of these games are based on novels and some are not. Yeah, I was not into Nancy Drew as a kid. It's not books I read. I mean, I, of course, knew about Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, but I just wasn't into them. But I have actually, since I started playing the games, I, somebody had given me a book, so I've read a book okay. as an adult. And the, so the main series has 33 titles, but it looks like there were other games that they made, but not that many, not, not many more. There was a series called Nancy Drew Dossier. I don't know anything yep. about that. There were Nancy Drew Mobile Mysteries for the iPad, iPhones. Um, there was actually one. Um, and there were other releases, like their first release came out in 1995, and that was called McKinsey and Company. And then there was the Vampire Diaries, the Cody Capers, mm. um, the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew Codes and Clues, which is an Android mobile game, and um, Odyssey, the Young Socrates. Um, so they were out of Bellevue, Washington. The company was founded as a division of American Laser Games, which I found weird. I don't know what that means. Was it all of the games all lasers? I don't know. Then it looks like they spun off Her Interactive at one point, and then Her Interactive ended up buying them, buying the other company out. Oh. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and they are making games up to this day, including the last one. Um, there was a shakeup in the company where the CEO left and a lot of the game programmers left. And so they had to delay the last game, which is, what was the name of that one? Um... Let's see here. Midnight in Salem. Midnight, Midnight in Salem. And I find that interesting, which we'll get to yeah. in a bit. I find it interesting because I sat with you for a little bit of the game, and I listened to your opinion on it, and I've, I found that interesting. But let's go back. Um, let's talk a little bit more about what type of game Nancy Drew is. So you, it's a first person. You're walking through a mystery, right? Why don't you walk me through some of the things you can expect if you were to play a Nancy Drew game? You interact with... People, she always goes to a different place. Um, she travels the world to solve a mystery, and there's always some reason she's there. Um, a vacation or a friend is called because she thinks her cabin's haunted, 
Um, okay. So she she usually goes on her own and she meets people wherever she's at, and it'll. I'd say maybe four to five characters that she meets, and she meets them in different places. Um, and you—it's your typical thing where you have to go through the entire um, dialogue. Um, you have to exhaust it. There's voice acting in this, right? So there's voice acting. It's not just reading text. That, no, it is voice acting. Okay. Um, they will always have the text there, just so you can read along with it if you want to. As far as I remember, the. The woman who did Nancy Drew's voice, it was always the same woman up until this last one. It, it was, in fact, that was one of the changes that I was a little startled by. Cause I in the, just in the latest game, correct. she mostly did all the other games. As far right? as I know, if, if I'm remembering correctly, I always remember it being the same voice. But you, you go through and she... She learns the mysteries. There's there's always two modes. There's a junior detective and a senior detective. And the junior detective is a little bit more hand-holding, uh, telling you what you need, you, where you should look for clues and things you need to do and accomplish. The senior detective one, not so much. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. So there's two modes in all the games. Correct. Okay. And she goes, whatever mystery, she's always trying to solve an end-game mystery, but there's always little things along the way. And if you hear that, that's my bread machine. <laughs> um, so she she meets people. She finds clues. She often comes across puzzles that she needs to solve. She'll have tasks to do. Like um, some of my favorite ones, like cooking tasks. Um, or there was one I remember where she had to sew a garment. So you had to find a. a follow a pattern and sew something. There's one where she had to play these games. She had to win these games against a monkey. So just just different different tasks she has to complete to eventually get to the end. Every game at some point has a timed puzzle for lack of some something that you have to beat within a certain amount of time to to get through it. And usually that's the end game. Okay, so but but the game has would you say mostly puzzles or are they more like little quests you have to go on? Um, I would say mostly puzzles. Okay. I, not being, I don't describe myself as a gamer, so I'm not sure I know what you mean when you say quests. Um, okay. I, I mean, I know we've talked about video games where you say you go out on these little quests. Um, I I wouldn't say it's that. I would say she has she goes to her next spot and will often encounter uh, a task or a puzzle she has to solve in order to move on to the next thing. Gotcha. Do you recall your... So did you do these in order? As far as I can remember, mostly in order. And I'm not going to list all the games here, but I want to list some of the names because I think they're they're kind of... um, They kind of describe what the games might be like. So the first one was Secrets Can Kill. Um, Secret of the Scarlet Hand, Ghost Dogs of Moon Lake, Warnings at Waverly Academy, uh, Alibi and Ashes, The Shattered Medallion, Midnight in Salem is the last one. And like I said, there's 33 of these. I didn't want to list them all, but do you... So you... You you started probably with Secrets Can Kill. Yeah, knowing me, yes, because I'm a pretty, like... I guess, you know, sort of an OCD person. I like linear things. I like doing things in order. Do you recall um, the first experience or the first computer you ran it on, or is it the memory kind of hazy? I would say it's pretty hazy. Um, I, I was trying to think about it. I know I've always played them on PC 
perhaps you've maybe put one on our Mac for us at some mm-hmm. point, but mostly but mostly PC. Mostly PC. I know they've come out in on other um, consoles, but I've never done that. Gotcha. Because I noticed, yeah, they're mainly PC and Mac, but some of these, like one was on Nintendo Wii. Um, one was on the Game Boy Advance, so there's a mobile version. Um, so, so, but mostly all of them. I mean, all of them are on PC and Mac. So that that's kind of interesting. But you've played them all on PC. I've played them all on PC. Um, or, or again, maybe one or two on the Mac since okay. since we've been together. Do you recall any highlights? Like which. Um, if you had any favorites at all, do you remember? Yeah, there there are some that stick out. I was trying to think about if I could remember my first experience playing it, and honestly, just I I had finished law school. I had, uh, pat, you know, taken the 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 bar in California, but I'd moved to Michigan where I I knew no, but I didn't know anybody. I had no friends, no family, and right. I was waiting to take the bar there. And so I kind of, it was the first time in my life I wasn't a student or didn't have a job. So I just had a lot of time. And the person I was there with was traveling a lot and gone a lot. So it was, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, it was kind of a lonely period. So I sort of stumbled upon these games. Um, and I can remember, like, staying up hours at night playing them and being, you know, it was just a way to pass the time and found them interesting. Um, I was looking through the list of the games and I really couldn't remember anything about the first one, Secrets Can Kill. And then after I looked it up, it's, uh, I, I think the setting was a high school. So that kind of came back to me, but, um, like, now I don't remember. There's one, stay tuned for danger. The final scene, one of those is about a soap opera. Um, but, some that I remember like stood out for me, uh, Ghost Dogs at Moon Lake, she's out at a cabin. I remember that thinking that one was fun. She had to go out um, out in the woods, and I remember she had the, one of her tasks was she had to take specific pictures. Or she had to take pictures of specific birds. Okay. Um, I remember Secret at Shadow Ranch was a fun one, and there's uh, you know like something about a horse. Um, Secret of the Old Clock was an interesting one. She that was the first one set in what I think was the original Nancy Drew time, like the twenties. Yeah, all the other ones have been modern. Pretty modern, um, yeah. yeah. But this was set in the twenties, and it was had an old timey feel. And there's, it, um, there's even this little thing like they would they would have you show you the whole map of the town that she was in, and she would have to drive the, her old old timey car, and that was more rather than first person. You were kind of like. Driving, driving the car. Um, I'm not explaining it correctly. I mean, like you're seeing the car and driving it. You weren't like the driver of right. the car. Yep. But and she would have to go. That's how she would get from place to place. She would have to drive on the map to the place she needed so to go. So it was go. like a like a third person I would, driving the yeah. car around, but you saw the car on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it was it was it was a cute one. Say you know she would use phrases like the bee's knees and stuff like that. It was yeah. kind of fun. Um, I remember the last train to Blue Moon was an interesting one, um, and it all takes place on a train. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked, uh, and they say it's kind of funny. I seem to have more memories of the older ones than the newer ones. Like I was looking at the list of newer ones, and I just didn't remember a lot about them. Right. Um, there was there was one. 
Um, oh, Danger on Deception Island. That was a fun one because it like, involved a, a killer well. And I think I was telling you the other day, it's the first time I learned what a cairn was because she has to follow this path and she see, she has to like identify these different cairns and that's how they get her to where she needs to go. And for our um, listeners, what is a cairn? It's a... It's a Stone, it's a little monument made of stone. I guess I shouldn't say little as we were looking into it. They can be small, they can be large. They've been around since prehistoric times. Different cultures have used them for different reasons. You you had said you thought they were meant like as almost a trail marker, a way to kind of find where you were, which is an actual use of a cairn but i was thinking more of a monument uh, a remembrance thing and that's also what some cultures have used cairns for so it's educational these are it, educational. they are educational yeah. which by the way in the, my notes it says the games are targeted at ages 10 and up and are rated e for everyone so anybody can mm-hmm. play these they're 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 kid friendly but you you would say they're probably sophisticated enough for adults oh I would say so. I mean, I, I hope so. Otherwise, I sound kind of silly. But it, they've been hard enough to where I've never gotten through one on my own. I've always had to look up So that's interesting. Clues. I, I did want to bring that up next because you and I discussed this a bit. Yeah. So when you play these, you you have no problem with going on the internet and looking no. for clues as to how to get through certain puzzles. No. I'm As you know... When we play board games together, like we're playing a game together, I'm very big. I don't believe in cheating. I don't think that's really winning. But if I'm playing something on my own, sure, whatever. And these are kind of like interactive novels. Yeah, it was. It was. It was for me and a way to pass the time. And and again, just just. I enjoyed them, so yeah. I don't. I don't consider that cheating, but I do know there are some diehard people out there who do video gaming, and they feel like when you look up clues or walkthroughs, that that's absolutely cheating. Um, right, and I but use, if, I use walkthroughs all the time. Yeah, but if it's <laughs> if it's just me and I'm not competing against somebody, I don't see a problem with it. Gotcha. Um, so what's interesting though is these games came out in '98. Right now, that was the early infancy of the internet. Okay. So, do you remember early on the first few games? Did you try to seek out clues of, in some I, way? I did. I, again, if I'm remembering correctly, I didn't really start playing these until I would say about 2003. Okay. Well, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. And I honestly do not remember being able to get through one without looking up hints. Right. Okay. That's fair. Um, but you've completed almost all of them. I've right? completed all of them, but Ex- the last one. Except for the last That's one. Right. Now, let's talk about that last okay. one. Okay. Because. I bought that for you for your birthday. Okay. Um, and it didn't go as smoothly as, as I wanted it to no. because we don't have very sophisticated PCs for playing games here in our in our house. Our kids have much better machines right. for playing PC right. games. They have gaming laptops, but we don't. But I have a PC that runs pretty well, so we installed it on there. And why don't you tell us your experience with this particular game? So, it, and this one is what is it called? Uh, Salem? Midnight in Salem. Midnight in Salem. Yep. So it really had been long awaited. I mean, mm-hmm. I can remember. So at the end of each game, there's always a preview for the next game. Yeah. And so I remember playing the last one and seeing the preview and I was like, cool, that's going to be fun. And and then every now and then I would just kind of go check and like, when's this coming out? When's this coming out? And it kept getting delayed, delayed, delayed. And um, it, and I, a lot of people must have thought the same, like, oh, it's going to come out at Halloween because Midnight in Salem. Yeah. And they even put out a, an announcement on their website, like, I know a lot of you think that that's when it's going to happen. It's not. So it finally came out. I actually didn't realize it had come out. I guess it came out, like, December-ish. Um, so, you so know. So it came out December 3rd, 2019, okay. where... I, 
It, they had a release date. An official announcement indicated again was to be released November 19th, 2019, but later it changed it to December 3rd. Um, but it originally was planned on release in 2015. Okay. So, I mean, that's quite a big gap. That's, that's a very big gap. And, and based off of your list, that's mm. when the the last, the one before this one had come out was 2015. Yep. Um, and it looked like, I mean, they were bringing these out every year or two years. Mm-hmm. So this, this four-year gap was pretty big. And so I think people were really anticipating it. Now, again, I didn't realize it had been released, and that's probably due to the fact that it's Christmas time. Thanks, you know, we just had our daughter's birthday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, lots of stuff's going on. Mm-hmm. Things start settling down, and I realize it came out, so you get it for me. And it's been a huge disappointment. It's um, it doesn't run very well. the The people will be talking, but their their lips aren't moving in sync to to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. There's lots of it feels very stilted and stalled. It. It's so bad. I don't. I'm not enjoying it at all. I'm. I, I'm. I'm not enjoying anything about it. And just so we, I mean, we can rule out that it's our PCs. I mean, the PC we're running on is a midline PC, not a fantastic high end. But we went online to look at this, and it seems like this is a very popular opinion: is that this game just does not run well. Yeah, and it's just bizarre because of how long it took to come mm-hmm. out. You would think that it would have just been amazing. And it's just not. It- now, it suffered delays because I guess a lot of the crew that normally program these games left the company because the CEO also left, too. Um, and then they replaced him with someone else. Um, and it just looks like there's a lot of problems at her interactive right now. That and, showed in this game. Yeah. yeah. So that's too bad. So it do is. you think you'll get through this game? I... I might just again because of my personality type. I'm the type of person that I, I, I'm linear thinking, and I, I just like things in order. And I tend to just if I start something, I finish it. And our daughter's been kind of on me to finish it. And she's starting to want to play these games with you too. Right? Yeah, she's played some with me in the past. Never start to finish, but she sat with me before, and we've done certain tasks or puzzles together. And she did recently say she wanted to try one on her own. Right, and we've thought about loading it up on her laptop just to see because she has yeah. a very powerful gaming laptop well I, interestingly i'm not a person who keeps things but i have i had kept many of my discs so i have a lot of them yeah. and i think you've said you've kept a lot of the downloads somewhere or mm-hmm. at least we can access them. we can access them through steam yeah right. so cool well um is there, do you have any specific memories you want to share of playing nancy drew i mean I don't know if you have any highs or lows. They can be. I think it's. I think you just again. It got me through kind of lonely times, and and I remember you know staying up super late because I wanted to finish them and get through them. Uh, certainly had moments of like liking that, you know, oh, I finished it and I got through the ending and it was fun. And, and those moments of absolute frustration because you can't figure out a puzzle or you can't figure out a task. Even when you have the hints, you have the walkthrough and you still can't do it and just, you know, being pretty frustrated. So I remember I'm, you playing one and I was standing there and we, you downloaded the instructions on your phone, yeah. I think, and then you were trying and it still didn't work. Like it wasn't as easy as just following the instructions. I guess it's pretty typical gaming though, where right. you have, you know, super fun moments moments in the moments where you just want to throw the computer at the wall and never look at it again but mostly they've they've been they've been fun and they're you know they're they're family friendly they're innocent they're educational they're i don't know cool they've been a good time 
So as we wrap this up, I want to rate this beer as we do on the podcast. So I'm going to say, since there's a German Shepherd on the bottle, we're going to rate this out of 15 German Shepherds. 15 what, German Shepherds? What would you rate this Pilsner? Out of 15? Out of 15. That's a high number. Oh. Out of well, 15. I mean, for a Pilsner, I, I'd, I'd give it definitely 13, 14. I... You know me, I, I'm not a huge lover of light beers. They have to really wow me to mm-hmm. be a good beer. But this one is, it's got a lot of flavor and um, the carbonation's great. I, I, I like darker beers. It's more of my thing, but... I would um, agree. I, I think I, the I, hops are perfect in it. It's really good. It's smooth and flavorful. I think flavorful. I would give this 13 and a half out of mm. 15 German Shepherds. So about where I was. I said exactly. between 13 and 14. Yep. So we are in, we're, in sync. We're usually pretty copacetic about our beers. So. All right, right on. Well, thank you very much for talking about Nancy Drew Mysteries. And I hope that somebody out there will try these games out and learn to love them. They're available on Steam, so you can download them digitally. Um, a lot of the older ones are on DVDs. You can get them on eBay or whatever. And I'm hoping that maybe they'll patch up the new one to make it run better. Now that there's so many complaints, it did just come out. So they may patch it, which means you can download the patch on Steam. And maybe that would fix it. All right. Well, thank you for doing this. Thank you. And uh, that will end Eric's take for this month. All right. Thank you. Hey, guys. How about we take a little break and check with our friend over the pond? That's right. It's Tea Time with Tim. Hello everybody and welcome to Tea Time with Tim. Welcome to the special COVID-19 edition. This month we've got a special guest. It's my daughter Danica and we're going to be talking all about the Nintendo Switch and some of the favourite games that we enjoy playing together or the ones that Danica plays. So crack open a beer or one of your favourite drinks, sit back in the armchair and let's begin. Okay, so first we're going to introduce ourselves. I'll go first. My name is Tim. I'm 40-something, and I live in Somerset in England. Hello, my name is Danica. I am eight years old, and I live with my daddy. Okay, so I'm here with Danica, and we've got our favourite games console. We've got the Nintendo Switch. (laughs) Now, all I'm going to do is I'm going to throw it over to Danica for a second, and... She's going to introduce the Nintendo Switch and what she likes about it. So, Danica, tell me, what do you like about the Nintendo Switch? I like the Nintendo Switch because it's a very fun video game thing and I like to play games because I learn new things every day and that helps me with more knowledge. Okay, Danica, so what do you like about the Switch itself? Tell me, what colours is the Nintendo Switch that we've got? Well... The screen is all black, but when you turn it on, it's like got lots of different colours. And the controllers, so my friend Millie has got them black, but we've got them... So the one with the letters on, the A, B, Y and Z, that is red. And the one on the other side is just all black, but it's got blue outside. So what you're saying is then the right-hand side is red... And the left-hand side is blue. Yep. That would have been easier, wouldn't it? Mm, Yes. (laughs) Okay, so in one short answer, which is your most favourite game on the Switch at the moment? Okay, Animal Crossing. Are you sure not Pokemon? (laughs) Well, I do like them both the same. So really, you like Animal Crossing better than... Is this breaking news? Breaking news. Danica Drew likes... 
and Animal Crossing better than Pokemon. Is that right? No, other way round. So what what do you like best? Come on. Pokemon. Pokemon. There we go. There we have it. So I'm here with Danica and she is about to play Pokemon. Now, Danica, what are you doing at the moment on Pokemon? Well, I am trying to get out of this Team Rocket Slip Co and try not to battle anybody because it's really hard not to because there's trainers everywhere. So which version of Pokemon is this? So this is Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. My friend has got the Pikachu version. So it's basically the same and it is really cool. So what features do you like about this Pokemon game? Well, I like how um, all the different trainers battle in different ways because lots of other people battle in different ways. So it's really cool. So you don't know what's gonna, what's Pokemon's gonna go next because you've got different Pokeballs that come out. Okay. So how many um, Pokemon have you got at the moment? Do you want to do a quick list of how many Pokemon you've got? Do you want to bring up your list? Yes, I will. I'm just going to, because I can go on to my Pokedex, which you get from Professor Oak. So I've got. Pokemon scene 118, but Pokemon abated, that means I've catched cool. 55. You've caught 55 Pokemon, okay. Yeah. So who's in your Pokemon team at the moment? So in my party, I have... Sorry, your Pokemon party. Mm-hmm. Kara, um, which is my Eevee, Hitchaman, Aerodactyl... Dewong, Millie and Tentacruel. I named my Pikachu Millie because it's a nice name for a Pikachu. And how did you get the name Kara? What's that? Well, Kara, because um, I named her Kara because I knew Kara loved Eevees. So I decided that and she was like my first ever Pokemon. Okay, so what do you think overall of the Pokemon game? What's your favourite thing that you do on Pokemon? Well, I think getting new badges because you don't know what the different badges are. So what's your favourite badge that you've got at the moment? Well, I would say the Volcano badge, which I got the last time when I played with my friend Millie. So it was really exciting. And what did you have to do to earn the Volcano badge? So you had you had to answer a quiz because this was a guy who was a quiz master so my friend Millie she helped me with answering the questions because we've got the same questions to mine so it's really tricky to know which the answers are and not okay what's your favorite battle that you've won so far well I would say against team rocket because they are very hard guys to beat and basically I've meeting them about four or five or ten times so it is quite a challenge because their Pokemon have evolved so the coughing has evolved to I don't remember what it was called and the Echinus evolved to I don't remember what it was as well okay what does evolving mean with a Pokemon what does that mean 
Well, it means that they've transformed into a different type of Pokemon, but they've still got the same body. But like in the coughing of Olven, it's got more of itself. So it's like got one big one, then it's joined up to a tiny one, then to a medium-sized one. Okay, so how do you make a Pokemon evolve in this game? Well, sometimes you give them stones. Like if I say I wanted to evolve my Onyx, um, which is one of my Pokemon from my party, well, not from my party, but something, my Pokedex, then um, it would I would give him the Rock Stone. But if they evolve by themselves, like in battles, they can evolve. So that is fair in the Pokemon battle, but usually they evolve after not in a Pokemon battle. It's very rare that they evolve in a Pokemon battle. So what actually happens in the Pokemon battle on Pokemon Eevee? People send out these things called Pokeballs, which you catch the Pokemon in, and um, so the trainers use special moves. Like if I say for my Eevee, I've got um, and my steel type Pokemon, which is a water one, they have got the same moves, and it's called Take Down, and it's a really powerful move on lower levels than you. But sometimes they can. So, how many moves does each Pokemon have well, in its in its armor? They can only use six. But the maximum you can use in battles is one, because you can only use one move. But it's in some battles, so that's one move per turn, isn't it? Yep. But sometimes, if you have two controllers, which every Nintendo Switch has, um, you can add a supported trainer. So that means you get two. The main Pokemon goes first. The Pokemon that you first literally caught goes first. And then it goes on to the next Pokemon because it lets you have a shot, but that's just one to help you by your side. It's not like the actual trainer, but they do follow you. You can only get maximum to two. Okay, so what happens when you win one of the battles? Well, you get money. Very rarely you get great balls. And you mostly get Pokeballs, but you can get Ultra Balls from really hard people. And one time when I tried to battle a person, they had a trio, and my Eevee, called Kara, she literally had one tiny percent left, and it literally did one hit and it fainted my Eevee, so it's really hard. And that was one of the girls who can... girls or boy who can give you the ultra ball so it was really sad for me because I could have won but I kept on avoiding those people but once I had to battle them and it is really hard because they like send out level 39s by level 40. Well that's interesting you say about levels on Pokemon so how do you um, get your Pokemon to different levels? Well so they've like got this little bar it's like the how much energy it has but it's like just the tiniest bit longer and once it's got to the end it levels up so it's really exciting because you don't know what levels next but it goes up in number order 
So you do know what level's next. Okay, so what are some of the levels that you're... So what level is Kara at the moment? Well, That's your Eevee Pokemon, isn't it? Yes, it is level 47. So what's your highest other character other than Eevee? Um, I would say my Seal-type Pokemon, and it is level 46. So that's a dugong. Dugong. Yeah. And then my next one, Aerodactyl and Tentacruel, because they're both the same levels, so they have good moves, and my Tentacruel is quite really bad at playing it with another Pokemon, because even though it's up in the air, like, as the flying type one, does... Um, hurt the other Pokemon so it gives you less chance and the move is called Surf so it's not really good. Okay so overall what do you think of the Pokemon games? Well I think they're pretty cool because you level up, you get new moves and it's just fun catching more Pokemon. Okay so any potential Pokemon players out there that haven't played it yet what would be your recommendation to start off with first? I would start off with um, Pokemon Platinum and then go on to like Switch games and then like that. So, if so sorry, so the Pokemon Platinum is on what console have you got that on? Well, I've got that on my Nintendo DS, but I'm sure you can get that on the Switch as well. I don't think so. I think you can only mm. get the 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 let's shield. go and sword and shield i think isn't yeah. it yeah yeah so start off so what you're saying is start off on the ds yeah and then move up to the ones on the switch because mm-hmm. then you'll get to know other pokemon as well so then it will help so in true pixel guiding fashion we're going to give pokemon let's go eevee a rating what do you think danica should we do it out of ultra pokeballs Yes, I think we should. So let's go with 20 Ultra Pokeballs. So 20 being fantastic and no Pokeballs being poo this game smells. I think I would go for 20 because it is a really fun game. So if you can sum up Pokemon, let's go Eevee in one word, what would it be? Super. So that's it. Pokemon Eevee on the Nintendo Switch is officially Super. Okay, myself and Danica are back with the next review, and this time we're going to review Animal Crossing. Before we get on to our next review, Danica and I are going to crack open a drink. Now, I've got some very refreshing Fanta Lemon here, and Danica's got herd water. So, here's cheers. Okay, so you take a sip of your water. Lovely, and I'm going to have some of my Fanta Lemon. Mmm. Okay, so Danica, rate your water out of ten. 10. So everything's going to get a 10, is it? Yes. So, so your water is perfect at the moment, is it? Yes. Okay, well, I'll give my Fanta lemon an 8. So that's 8 out of 10 lemons. So next up, it's Animal Crossing on the Switch. So Animal Crossing New Horizons. This one's a recent game for us, as when we're recording this. Um, we've only had it for the last couple of days. Okay, so I'm here again with Danica 
and we've got Animal Crossing playing on the Switch. So Danica, tell me a little bit about Animal Crossing. How did you start out with the game? I started out by creating your character, but you arrive on this island and it has no name, but you get to name it whatever you like. Our name of this island is called Rainbow. So why did you call it Rainbow? It was for my mummy's birthday, so um, I chose her to do it. I don't know why, but I thought it would be nice for her to choose the name because it was her game. Okay, so we're on the island of Rainbow in Animal Crossing, is that right? Yes. Okay, and describe our character. What is, uh, what is she wearing? Um, so she's wearing a bubble hat. She's got checkered clothes green shoes and tights on okay so in animal crossing one of the features that you can do is you can uh, buy and new clothes and design patterns is that right yep so what else is uh, interesting for you about animal crossing what do you like about the game well i like it because um in april because it's near easter um we figured out there's an Easter bunny so they come every year near Easter time and you had to try and find six different types of eggs so there's a ground egg a leaf egg a sky egg and a rock egg and a water egg okay so what you're saying is that the game runs in real time so it tracks um, seasons and special events is that right yep so later on in the year when you're playing it might be that there's something happens at Christmas time. Yes, I'm sure there might. Santa Claus might even visit. Might Never do. Know. So what what are you um doing at the moment on the on Animal Crossing? What's your favorite thing that you do at the moment because there's lots of different activities. Tell me about some of the activities you can do. If you buy slingshot from um I don't remember what is name was so from tom nook because the main character in the shop is tom nook isn't it and he's the he's the main merchant of the game and rules all the all the islands doesn't he and has all the shops put your inventory up so run through what you've got in your in your pocket at the moment okay so in my pocket i've got a shovel yep so what do you use the shovel for well so you dig up things you usually use so it's very fun and um you can dig up trees if you eat like apples so i can make so what what does eating the apples do well it gives you more energy okay and then if you've got more energy what happens then you can like dig up things you can smash open rocks but not with your bare hand you just need to use your axe and chop it down or because my daddy's got the multiple axe which is the actual axe um so first you get off with flimsy axe yes so how do you get these the 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 tools in the first place what do you have to do well sometimes you create them sometimes you can buy them from not tom nook but from timmy because you get this um they're sort of like cub guys so and as you get further on in the game um, i think they're actually raccoons aren't they yeah raccoons um you get a house but not first thing so first thing you get a tent we've chosen a nice spot by a river 
so you can go fishing with fishing rod first starting the game so what's the first thing you need to do is you need to make all the tools that you're going to use what processes there's a special word for that what was it called crafting that's right so when you go into the game for the first time you go into tom nook's shop and in there he has a big bench which you can then craft your tools at and later on what can you get of your own um you you can get a crafting bench of your own can't you so you don't have to go into tom nook's shop each time and craft items initial um items that you get are flimsy rod so a flimsy fishing rod a flimsy axe a watering can um and what's the other ones that you get a spade and eventually after you use those so many times they break so then you have to keep crafting them to craft the items what do you need so for so for example for a a fishing rod what do you need well for the flimsy fishing rod you find these a lot lying on the ground you need tree branches so you only need five to make the flimsy fishing rod to make the fishing rod the actual one you need the flimsy fishing rod and you need iron nuggets and how do you get iron nuggets in the game well first you have to make flimsy axe but you need stone so it's really hard how you can get the iron nuggets and then you go into the axe you hit a stone sometimes they're very rarely money in there and um you get iron nuggets when i first heard about the iron nuggets i was like how do you get them but when i went into well when i chopped open a stone that's when you sometimes very rarely get them in there so they're quite rare things so what you're saying is you get the iron nuggets from stones when you break them open with an axe Mm -hmm. okay tell us about fishing because fishing is a big part of the game isn't it how do you how do you fish in the game well if you want to fish go near a river if you see a fish you get out your fishing rod and you press a on the stream then you get it in the river but sometimes it's not in the right place so you have to like move along sometimes a little bit just to get to the fish so what happens when you catch a fish what do you normally do with the fish sometimes you keep them in pockets but as you get further on in the game like i said professor who's an owl he's built a museum but first off he'll start but you're needing to give him 12 or 11 items um to actually open the dm up you had to get him butterflies fish and fossils and you find fossils underneath the ground and sometimes you like get these little shooting star things and that's where you find them but like now you very rarely find them on there because so what are you trying to say here you get fossils and you take them into the museum so they can be displayed in the museum is that right yes that's what i was trying to say okay so what else can you do in the game there are some other things that you can do in the game like you can actually go and visit other islands how do you do that well so you've got this thing called nook miles where you get miles and then get um so if you go onto this thing 
Um, so what you're trying to say here is, is that you can get Nook miles and then you can trade those for airplane tickets and then you can use those in the island airport to go to random islands. Is that right? Yes. Okay, that's good. So what else do you like on Animal Crossing at the moment? What do you think is the most fun part of it? So sometimes balloons are floating around. Sometimes there's even messages from a bottle come up. Where do you find the messages in a bottle? Well, you find them near the sea or the ocean because that's where messages in a bottle come from and random people send you them. But like I got one, um, it had a DIY recipe in it and I've already learnt it, so it's really sad because you had to drop it. So what do the DIY recipes do? So they help you make things like the axes and the stone axes and that sort of stuff, like I said. So you have to find different recipes around the island and learn the recipes so you can then craft the items which give you different options in the game for different things that you can do. Yeah. Is that right? Yep. Okay. So overall, what would you say um, you like the most about Animal Crossing? I would say making all the things like I've got now. I've got a balloon floating over my head. So if I get my slingshot out, which I am going to... Um, the slingshot does wear out as well, but it hasn't worn out yet for me. So you need to try and pop it. It's got a balloon that has a present attached to it. So you use the slingshot to pop the balloon and then the present drops down. Then you pick up the present, put it in your pocket, open it up and then you've got a gift. Is that right? Yes. Overall, so you're really enjoying Animal Crossing at the moment. Would you recommend it to anyone? I would recommend it to my friend Millie and she is going to get it but one time they were out of stock when she was hopefully going to get it. So that's probably because it's a very popular game at the moment isn't it because yeah. it's a good one for when people are stuck in in isolation at the moment and they can play it and it just passes a lot of time doesn't it it's a nice nice fun game to play. So there we go so there's Animal Crossing for the Switch let's rate animal crossing now in the game you collect apples and they give you energy as we've just explained so let's do it out of 10 apples so what are you going to rate animal crossing as 10 apples so you're going to go for the full 10 out of 10 okay i'm going to go for eight apples out of ten i really enjoy the game um, but obviously it's a little bit limited sometimes um, but generally it's a great fun game and it's a good way to spend and pass a good amount of time that's it for this month's tea time with tim thanks to my special guest this month danica hope you enjoyed her popping on to the podcast this month stay safe everyone and i'll catch you on the next podcast and if you have been, thanks for listening. And we're back, Eric. What do you think about those segments? Those were fantastic segments. <laughs> it's it pretty cool that Tim had uh, Danica on. That's that's fun. I got my girls on last time, so uh, that you, is really cool. You got your girl on this time. It sounded like I do. My my. Uh, <laughs> I had a landscaper once that worked in the neighborhood who who would always reference his girlfriend as my lady. My so lady. sometimes I'll joke around. I'll be like. Like, she's my lady. Hey, my lady. 
And then, and then if my wife actually heard me say that, she'd probably just slap me and be like, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, before we hop into six good games, it's time to open another beer. All right. So this is a, an interesting one. I wanted you to enjoy with me, Eric. So what do you got in your hand here? I'm going to open mine. So I have a um, Cherry Jane Sour Ale. From which brewery? <laughs> Make you say Lagunitas. <laughs> Lagunitas. I always said, said Lagunitas. 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 I don't know. Um, they call this, this is part of their 2019 one hitter series. I really hope that doesn't mean they do it once and then it goes away because I really like this. Um, I haven't tried. I haven't tried it yet, so I'm going to give it a shot. I poured it wrong, and I'm literally I have half a uh, head and a half beer now. Um, I gotta, I gotta admit that this um, this brewery, I've had some of their stuff before, and it's it's hit or miss for me. Some of them I really like, and some I really don't like. So it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, Lagunitas is known for a lot of their IPAs, which is a style that you and I both aren't a huge fan of. So, um, however, this is a sour, and it is a well, sorry, a sour ale they call it, brewed yeah. with Turkish delight cherry juice. Now. When you pour that, tell me what color you see. It's just bright red. <laughs> it's like blood. We're going to be drinking blood here. Um, I'm trying not to make the same mistake you made so that I can drink it faster. There we go. Not there bad. Go. Not a bad pour. You see that? that not much, bad. Much better not than bad. mine. Yeah, I got very frothy <laughs> here. But if you do see the head, it's, it's like a strawberry pink. Um, it's a dark... It's a. It, this is a very dark, like, ruby red. Yeah. Um... So it's called cherry it's Jane. Interesting. And it's made with cherry juice. So you're, you'd expect it to be extremely over the over your head, cherry fruity. But yeah. give that a sip. Uh, let okay. me know. What, let me know what you think about this one. Um, All right, here we go. It is. A, it is definitely a sour. I need to finish my pour now because the head went down. I can hear your lips tasting. It is. It is. It is sour, but it's not super sour. I wouldn't say it's the most sour I've had. Well, we had sour it, monkey, which is a triple sour. <laughs> yeah, that one was. That one was very sour. Um, I know. I, I this one is actually tastes very good. It's it's unique. It's definitely unique. It's not over your over your head cherry though. It's um, I mean, you're getting a lot more sour than you're getting cherry. All right. Yeah, I mean, yes, I, I, yes, um, but I, the cherry does come through, though. The, I mean, there's no mistaking. I mean, you, I think I could take a blindfold test of this and say, oh, it tastes like cherry. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, but like, don't, I mean, don't you think? Yeah, I think, I guess where my mind goes, it's not like a cherry flavor. It's like, it tastes like you're eating an actual cherry. I wouldn't, yeah. to, me, to me, it doesn't taste like, like a cherry, like a cherry candy or a cherry, I mean, it tastes like you're eating a, a, a cherry. You have to spit yeah. out the seed afterwards. I, I got to tell you, I, I I usually don't. I mean, fruit beers are are. Um, there's a few fruit beers I've had that have re- been really good, but not usually not. And this one is good. I guess you wouldn't call this a fruit beer, really. You call it sour first, and then cherry flavored sour. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Are you ready to rate, or do you need more time with it? No, I think I can rate it. It's. I mean, it is pretty one sided, but. Uh, what's, what's our scale going to be, Eric? Our scale is going to be, 
53 Pac-Mans because there's floating cherries in there. Okay. okay. You made it game related. Okay. I did. I did. So 53 Pac-Mans. Men. Right. Pac-Men. Pac-Men. Men who Pac-Men. are men of the pack. All right. I'm going to shoot it right or, out there. Or would it be like attorneys general? You know how it's attorneys general? Attorneys. Would it be Pac-Men? <laughs> Would it be Pac-Man or would it be uh, Pac-Men? We'll ask Taito. We'll get their official okay. opinion on that. All right, 47. All right. 47? 47. Out of 53? Yep, I really I'm gonna like it. I'm going to give this... I think we're pretty much in unison here. Really? But I think I'm gonna. I think I'm going to give it a little higher. Wow. No, I, I like really it. like it. I really like it. Um, I'm going to give it... You gave 47? Yeah, it's basically a solid A. Like a 95%, 94%. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 49. 49 out of 53. Wow. Cool. I'm glad you like it. High praise. It's high praise. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, last thing to do on the show, one of my favorites, is Six Good Games. Six Good Games. Can you hear it, Eric? Could you hear it barely, through the interwebs? I can barely hear our sound effects. That's the thing I'm missing the most. I gotta say, the Skype video is working great. The 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 audio recording is working great, but I miss the sound effects. Uh, if you're just if you watch my face, I'm lip syncing everything very dramatically for you. I was hoping you <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> you keep looking away, probably for the best. Um, so this is uh, six good games, isometric games. So why did we pick this one, Eric? So I know I picked the Battle of the Systems. Did I pick this one as well? Uh, we both kind of agreed on it. Okay, I think because I can't remember who who started this beginning, but um, I don't know why we picked it. To be honest, I I put it out there because I I have a very hard time finding isometric games that I like. Most of them are awful, just awful. It, I agree with you, and, and I gotta <laughs> say, even though I mean I I I love that we've gotten so far into the ZX Spectrum. But there's so many isometric games on there, and and I I, ha- I do struggle finding ones that I actually enjoy. And I wonder what people really see in them. I don't I don't I don't see a lot of them. I think just, I, I don't see much in them. I think they just grew up being able to twist their brain to understand that pressing left on their spectrum means either left and up or left and down. Like they can make that mental adjustment, and I cannot do it. No, and the control is the most is the most. Now, I will say that had I seen games like the ZX Spectrum, the isometric one, just visually seen those games when I was a kid, they would have blown my mind. Yeah, they look cool. They look really cool, and they 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 kind of um, they shoot above their pay grade, right? I mean, you see that, and you're like, oh my, this is going to be an amazing game. I can't believe my system can do this. Yeah, I mean, having a little world built in your computer that's 3D like that—that's amazing. <laughs> so, do you want to go first or second? Um, I will go, I don't care. I'll go first. Go for it. First one I picked was Blue Max, and I have a little story about Blue Max. I'm familiar with this. I'm sort of a plain shmup kind of a thing. <clears throat> Me, yeah, exactly. Kind of a Zaxxon-ish kind of game, but um, I like it a lot better than Zaxxon. It's not as claustrophobic as Zaxxon to me. Um, so my story is pretty, pretty, pretty short. As a kid, I knew exactly one friend, one friend that had an Atari computer. I thought you were going to stop was, there. I was a kid. I had said, exactly <laughs> one friend as a child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, they had an Atari. 
And his name is Marco, and he had an Atari 1200XL, kind of the one that the our friends at the Amigos talk about. They have, they have the, yeah. I know. Uh, and to clarify, you're talking about an Atari computer, not a 2600. You had lots of friends with 2600s. That's correct. Lots of 2600s, but only one friend with an Atari computer. And so when I would go over to his house, we would play games on his Atari. And I remember playing quite a few games, but one we would always play like every time I went over there was Blue Max. And I eventually got it on my Commodore 64 and it was a good port, I guess. I don't know if it was originally on the Atari, but um, Blue Max is a game where you are in a, and it's been a while since I played, I didn't actually revisit it for this. So my memory is going to be a little shoddy on this, but you play, you're in a biplane, right? And you are flying and you have bombs and you shoot. And I do remember on the version I played, like when you are level with an enemy, the border changes colors so that you can, it, it gives you a way because in isometric games, it is hard to tell altitude, right? Oh yeah. Like an accurate altitude. One of the reasons I hate them. Yep, and and Zaxxon really amplifies that point. I can't stand Zaxxon because I always crash into things. Um, but when you are level with with a bad guy, the border changes or the the not border, but the little what would you call that little control panel down there with your statistics? Oh, that okay. changes color when you are level with an aerial combatant, so you know when you're firing if you're going to hit him or not. And I love that. So you you basically it's almost this is almost like a river raid but like three dimensional and kind of an isometric, isometric there's bridges raid. there's um, have you played Blue Max? So I when I <clears throat> first got my uh, Commodore, I talked mm-hmm. to a buddy who uh, when it, right when I got it he's like oh I remember that Commodore and he told me some of the games he grew up with and he mem- he mentioned Radar Rat Race and he mentioned Blue Max, so I tried it and tried it for like ten fifteen minutes and I hated it. And okay. I have not gone back to it since because of that. A big reason is probably what you just mentioned there. I didn't know about the uh, when you're lined up that it lights up. I didn't know that. Therefore, okay. I had no idea whatsoever how to like line up with people and hit them. I was just I'd miss and miss and miss and crash into things. Even yep. taking off took a while to learn how to take off without crashing. Yep. Um, but so, once you do, this game is amazing. I mean, I, I, I got to say, I played this a ton as a kid. Not so much as an adult, though. I don't go back to this one that much. But I have great memories of it, and we played it a lot. And um, that was kind of a tip where, like, when you're firing, if you're firing below or under, you can use your shadow as a gauge to how far you are, but you can't really line up enemies. So the screen will change. So I don't know. I, I really enjoy this game. I thought it was... Um, fun back then and i i would like to revisit it sometime i thought there was a arcade version of this is that right do you know if there was an arcade i don't believe so i think this is kind of a uh i don't know if it the started console? on the oh, atari okay. but uh everyone associates it with the atari first yeah uh, from what i can tell yeah right and on. you can also you can also drop bombs i've noticed so yep. you can hit things on the ground there's ships uh, little bat- the, batteries the, that you can the little bridges um bomb bridges. which makes it kind of like river raid um yeah I mean, it's a pretty cool. simple game but it's it's so you're able I, to wrap I, your mind around the isometric controls on this one huh on this one definitely this one i think it's it's not it doesn't work on the diagonals it's left right up down yeah but how does that see that's what that's what throws me is that i can't make that translate to diagonals 
Hmm. Well, see, you don't you don't use the diagonals in this one. But yeah, but then you're hitting left and they're not going left. You're going left and up. You're going diagonal. Yeah, it's the it, that for me, kills the, me. <laughs> the hardest isometric games to me are the ones that demand that you use your joystick in a diagonal fashion. I can wrap my head around left, right, up, down, but some games uh, require can't. you to actually go diagonal, and I can't do that. Gotcha. All right. Well, I'm going to hop on to my first pick, which is yeah. Rock and Roll Racing. Have you played this one? I have, briefly. Now, when I saw this on your list, I was thinking that you were talking about Racing Destruction set on Commodore 64, but then I, I noticed you said SNES, and then I looked it up, and yeah, Rock and Roll Racing, it's a kind of like... Racing Destruction said on the Commodore 64, but <laughs> I did play this a little bit, and I really, I, I did enjoy it. So Rock and Roll Racing on the Super Nintendo is essentially like Super Off-Road or Super Sprint or any of those kind of uh, isometric, well, those aren't necessarily isometric. This one's definitely isometric racing games. It is. Um, it uses the correct diagonals, if I remember right, on the D-pad, which works for me. Um, you don't have to turn it sideways, I don't believe. Um it is like a super, well, in theory, right, super futuristic Armageddon kind of uh, racing game where you're these Vikings wearing super futuristic helmets racing on these uh, tracks that are raised above the ground on, on pylons. And for whatever reason, there's like spikes sticking out of the side of the road just to look intense. And I mean, it's this is a super <laughs> 90s game. Um, right. And you uh, are in these cars that can shoot each other so in that case it's kind of like uh supercars uh you get weapons you can crash into people your cars start smoking when they're getting close to blowing up and you can blow people up and then you get have to wait for a while for your car to come back you can set bombs but it's just a kind of isometric top down ish racing um one of the coolest things about it besides the fact that it's really smooth and it looks really good for a super nintendo game um, is all the music is actually licensed, like, rock songs. Um, anytime I see, like, right now I'm watching this, I hear Black Sabbath, Paranoid. Yeah. And the music's done really well. It's it's almost like a mod file sounding music of um, sampled instruments playing rock songs. There's a, and there's a bunch of them in here. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones off the top of my head. I, I always think Paranoid, but uh, by Black Sabbath. Um, pretty cool game. At least, yeah, I have to be. It has to be at least ten years since I've played this game, so I really should go back and visit because it looks amazing. Yeah, it was also on the Genesis, I believe, as well. But I know it from the Super Nintendo. I think that's kind of where its home was. Um, <laughs> player one is Olaf. This next guy is called Rip and Shred. <laughs> I mean, it's so nineties. Um, yeah, the one. The main issue with it, and that the, if they could do one simple, well, I don't know if it's simple again, I'm not a programmer. One thing to make the game so much better is if they could zoom out another 40%. You are. It, it does look tight. Like, I mean, the, the, the zoom in looks like there's not a lot of screen real estate. It looks really good, lots of detail to the extent where you don't get to see very far in front of your car. And that can make the game tough, especially in la- uh, later levels. So. Rock and roll it racing. Looks, it looks great. We should play. Is it? Two, oh, you can play two player on that too, right? Oh, I'm sure. I never did. Yeah, but we, I'm sure. We should do that sometime. <laughs> it looks like it'd be a fun two we'll, player game. We'll add that to our um, our 374 page book of things we need to play together. <laughs> exactly. When this when the Rona is over. Yeah, we'll blame it on blame it on the Rona. 
<laughs> Even though we did two years and we've only got together twice to play games. <laughs> this, is a, this is a lost opportunity, Eric. Why, why are we not drinking Coronas right now? I mean, come on. Right. You know, oh, I did find a super cheap, like, 12 pack of bottles of Corona and I picked them up. I, I, I did drink them a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's All your right. next game? My, my next game caused a lot of controversy with you. I don't agree <laughs> with it, Eric. Um, but I picked Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance on PS2 and you said that it was not isometric. So why you got to start with me being the bad guy? Well, well, yeah, I mean, you, you did, <laughs> you logged a legitimate complaint. Um, so I went online just to see if maybe you were right. And I, on the Wikipedia page, it says it's isometric. So we're watching video right now of a top down uh, game. So continue. Yep. <laughs> so the, the camera, the camera view is isometric. Like when you rotate the camera, it's on a, an isometric. <laughs> so, so it's a, I would call I would describe it as a top down action adventure game where you can rotate the camera. I mean, it's yep. at a slight angle. So it's almost like saying uh, Super Mario 64, if you put the camera in the right spot, that's an isometric game. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say it is, and Wikipedia agrees with me, so I'm going to use it. It is a good game, and I did play through this entire game uh, a while back. So. so did I, and it was not that long ago. I finished it, actually. I don't think I ever even mentioned it for the show, but I finished this game on my real PS2 um, probably three months ago, something like that. Um and I loved every minute of it. Um, it's a fantastic D&D-based game. Um, I think I read somewhere that it does follow most, like, some D&D rules. Like, I mean, the hit points and things like that. Hmm. Um, some of the, most of the monsters you can find in the D&D monster manual. But it is an isom. I think you rotate the camera. I think what the difference is, is your character isn't isometric. But you, your, your camera rotates on an isometric plane. And that's what the Wikipedia thing said. All right. So I'll let you um, have it, Eric. I'm going to count happy, it. Happy um, birthday, Eric. You can have that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and you basically go through lots of different levels and terrains in the D&D fashion. You find armor, you find weapons, and you basically, almost like Diablo, you just are trying to kill everything in your path to get to certain goals. Um, and... It is a fantastic game, and it holds up. I had a blast playing this game. And you said you've played this one, right? Yeah, I, I, it, was, it was a lot, long time ago. Um, yeah. Back when I actually was still, like, a PlayStation 2 was still my main system. Um, but, yeah, no, it's it's a great great time. It's a great top-down action-adventure game. I can't remember. Did, did this... Oh, pfft. Is this a... <laughs> P, was it... Did this come out on the PC? I think it did. Because I may have played it on the PC back in the day. I bet it did because it was released for... I'm looking on here. It does say Xbox, so it's probably a Microsoft okay. tie-in somehow. I don't know. So if you... if it's a, I'd say it's... If I were to explain it to somebody that is more of a modern gamer, I'd say it's probably a Diablo-like game, even though Diablo wasn't far off from this game. But there have been so many iterations of Diablo. Um, and I think this game got re-released for the Switch recently, right? It's like... Um, uh, I think you might be right. And there was I, a there was a there was a cartridge that had three games on it that I think Baldur's Gate was one of them. Dark Alliance. Yeah, it's funny because I would honestly describe it as an action adventure Baldur's Gate, which is what it's named. <laughs> yeah, 
Exactly. Yeah, it, it's a good I, and it's not expensive. I'd suggest it. And there was another one uh, after Dark Alliance. Another one came out. Um, was so it just two. Dark Alliance two? Yeah, uh, I think. Well, I think there might even been a third one. Um, hmm. Yeah, though, yeah. Here we go. Dark Alliance two right here. It's kind of got an Icewind Dale flavor to it. Ooh, yeah. And and there's an Co- cover uh, looks nice. Yeah, there is a um, scantily clad, naked, uh, not even scantily clad female booty on the front. So there's a naked butt. Uh, actually, look at this. See, oh, this is just the game, the case, no game, seven ninety nine. I was like, I'll buy that for eight bucks all day long. Not just the case. All right, I'm moving on. I'm going to go even newer than the PlayStation 2, Eric. Right on. Yeah. And go to the PlayStation 3, on (laughs) which I played my first game of XCOM. Nice. Now, this is a retro gaming podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, So, a lot of people know XCOM Enemy Unknown. I think it's even called that from old computers such as uh, Amiga. Right? Right. Um, however, I know it from the first time I ever played it, which was on the PlayStation three. And it was a glorious time, Eric. I love turn-based strategy games. And this is, um, there's cutscenes going on right now. I'm trying to get to a good video over here. Uh, did you ever play this version? This, uh, I did. I played on Xbox 360 and I beat it. Yeah. Way back when. So yep. fun. I lo- and I loved it. It's a fantastic game. But I played it on Commodore 64, believe it or not, when it was called Laser Squad. <laughs> so I've, I've, tried, I've tried a little of that. Um, yeah, you're right. You're, I think you told me that little tip, and I went back and tried it to get a flavor for it. It's not easy. It's definitely a lot different. It is a very cool game on Commodore 64, very deep. But it wasn't, isn't exactly what I would call like a lot of fun. I mean, it's... It could be. The problem is the interface with the Commodore is so hard to move. There's no mouse. Um, that's right. Yep. I mean, there's a Commodore mouse, so if it worked with that, that'd be cool. But it just takes... It's a slow game to begin with because it's tactical and turn-based. And then you add in the controls that take, like, four, four times longer to make your decisions, and it becomes just way too slow. But it was a, There was an earlier one than Enemy Unknown, too. I think it was a PC-based game, just XCOM, and it was, like, on literally, like, old like uh, 486 computers. Yeah. Um, and I played those back in the day, but this one was my favorite enemy unknown on Xbox 360. Yeah. Really good. Um, good story. Turn base where you're basically a squad of people, a laser squad, if you would, uh, yes. you control a squad of people. Um, and there's a campaign where you go through like 30 missions, if I remember right. And you're just in these cityscapes, hiding behind cars and and statues and buildings. Going, you can go inside buildings, go upstairs, shoot out windows, and it's all about taking cover and shooting a- these aliens that are invading uh, from behind cover. Um, I mean, there's so much to it. Like I said, there's so much depth to it. Um, you can throw grenades. You have shields. You have a health bar. You have medics that can heal people. You have other people that have different abilities. Um, and then the, depending on what kind of shelter you're hiding behind is how, you know, reduces the amount of chance of being hit by an enemy. And of course, if they shoot you with six bullets and you're hiding with a 30, 33% shield, you know, four of the six might hit you. Um, the statistics part of this game, I love. Yeah, like that, I, I love like trying to figure out the right angles to do. Um, I, I, this is one of the shining games that I loved on the Xbox 360. Like I, it was one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, one thing I didn't like about this game, and maybe you're uh, in agreement with this, is that I did not like the base management part. 
Oh, really? I just thought it was. I thought it was boring. So, in between your missions, you'll gain experience and money and stuff. I don't remember exactly how it worked, but you go back to your your XCOM base, which is the name of your unit, right? And you mm-hmm. can you can uh, add to your research. You can research certain abilities and um, gear and stuff. And uh, I can't remember all of what you can do, but basically, you can actually use points and stuff to build up your base to send characters out with new things. So that's the part you're talking about. You can also, I mean, the game is made so that when somebody dies, they're dead. It's permadeath. That's um, right. And then you have to hire new squad members and train them up and stuff. However, I'm sure, Eric, you, like me, probably, just uh, save constantly. And if something goes wrong, I just go back to the last save point and try to do it better. Um, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> you can call it cheating. You can call it what everyone else calls it, which is uh, save spamming. Um, but I always had like 10 saves on this game going at any time, but I had a great time with it. So I didn't care. Um, cause I always want it holds up. This one holds up incredibly well. So, I mean, if you, if you have an X a PS3 or an Xbox 360, you should get this game. If you've never played it, it is a blast. And I, I don't know if you knew this Cody, but they're actually releasing a copy of a version of this for the switch. It's coming yeah. out soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I think Steam has it right now for like $1.99. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. So I would download it. <laughs> I mean, Steam I with the that. mouse would probably even be better, but um, yeah. Yeah. Great game. Great game. That's all, that's all I have to say about that. So my last game, but not the last game, you're going to close this out, but my last game, although it's it, funny that our picks are pretty similar. Um is, yeah, they are. <laughs> so let me take you back to a young Eric Nelson. Young, do I have a sound yeah. effect to go back? Oh, wait, here we go. I'm, I'm ready. So, Eric, yeah. the romantic music is playing now. You may convince. <laughs> it's not a romantic story, but um, a young, young Eric, Eric Nelson, Nelson dancing naive. in the weeds. Naive. naive. So full of um, life. Supple. Back, back in those days <laughs> of the Commodore 64... Um, time limits and puzzle games didn't bother me like they bother me now because I had all the time in the world. All the time in the world, young Eric Nelson. So I do remember picking up a game, which I bought, which is rare for me on the Commodore 64. <laughs> I was a pirate. I was a dirty pirate. Dirty, but filthy pirate. I, I picked up a game called Spin Dizzy. Spin Dizzy is a game that is almost... It is very much like Marble Madness. So you're on a... It's a rip-off. Ex- <laughs> it is a rip-off. <laughs> They're it's dirty, like a puzzle game. Dirty pirates. Every level is a puzzle you have to navigate through to get to an end. And, but every... And there's, there's a time limit to do it. And I, I, my memory is very fuzzy about this. And I meant to go back and play it for the podcast, but I didn't get a chance to. Research, Eric. You're a professional. I know I didn't research it though, but spin dizzy. Basically you're on like a 3d isometric kind of level where you have a spinning top kind of deal and you're riding through it and you're trying to get to another part. Yeah. If you could pull up a video, that'd probably be a lot helpful to, there you go. That's perfect. And that was exactly to see that title screen. That was exactly the, what color the box had. Um, this level you're on is a very, very basic level. Can you fast forward a little bit to get through more advanced? Cause you'll see there's more, there you go there. So they're 3d. So you're basically going around trying to find it. And there's a time limit. There's jewels that you pick up on each level. And the little arrow that you see towards the bottom of the screen is the direction you need to go to try to find the exit for the level. 
And um, so basically where Marble Madness is like the full landscape, um, this one is like little subsections, almost like a flip screen You flip between different screens of this yeah, terrain you're on. Yeah, and it's basically at its heart just a puzzle game with the timer on it that you're trying to get through. And you're a top. And you're a top, yeah. But as a kid, when I bought this, I had good, I have good memories of going to the store, buying this game, loading it up, and being amazed, like like I imagine ZX Spectrum people are, that there was like this kind of cool 3D game with moving around on a 3D plane. I mean, back in those days, in the, in the, yeah, exactly. In the 80s, this was pretty amazing stuff, even though today it's pretty pedestrian. Ooh, pedestrian. Yeah. See, that, that level's more <clears throat> like like what I was I'm used to remembering. Yeah. See like levels like that where they're challenging to stay on the level. Yeah, there's little elevators and different levels like you have to go up and then go across small little uh pathways and not fall off and um it, uh, I'm not trying to be a downer. It's a little disorienting. Yeah, whenever you go off the edge of your current screen, it has to stop for about a second and reload the next screen and then you pop across. So if you have, if you have momentum going, like he is yeah. right now, he's flying across these screens, and he better know what's on the next screen, otherwise he's going to fly off the edge. Fly off the edge, yeah. And what what was amazing, though, for the Commodore 64 is how fast it renders the screens, though. It, I mean, yeah. you got to admit, that's pretty amazing. This is not leaderboard golf. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I could, I could totally get down with this game. It looks great. I've never played it. Yeah. Um, Doing research for one of my games coming up next, I fell upon this game and did see it. So, cool, cool. All right, my next game was going to be Marble Madness, Eric. Yes, which was the game that ri- this game ripped off. Um, so it's interesting. Marble Madness uh, is the game we just talked about, except you don't flip screens. Pretty much, um, that's it, what I was thinking. It just scrolls, right? It, it's a little different because it's more based on physics. I mean, this one is too, but the whole goal is you're a ball with momentum and if you're a marble, and if you go down a ramp, you'll start picking up momentum. So really, if you're going down, you have to kind of press the opposite way to slow your momentum, or you can hold forward more and roll faster forward. Um, I did mention this on our last episode, I believe, because I would say uh, Marble Madness on the Coco 2 is the version I want to talk about. Oh, wow. Um, nice. And I'm going to... I don't even, even know it was on there. Well, we talked about it last episode, and the big reason for that is, so you can see here, they have it has much smaller, this is the Genesis version, has much smaller um, pathways, and it scrolls downwards as you go, and there's enemies in the way to get you, and it's really, there's more about uh, dexterity, trying to stay, keep your marble on top of things. Let me get, yeah. the, let me get the Coco 2 version up here. Um, so, the, that's not the Coco 2 version. I probably need to type in color computer. Color computer too. Um, so the reason that I, I heralded this game so much in the last episode is because the controller uh, that comes with the color computer too is that analog, that thin little analog stick. Yeah. So when you push forward a little bit and hold hold it there, your ball will move slowly. If you pour, push more, it'll go faster. So there's analog control. It's much more precise. You can... Um, on the NES or the Amiga or any other system, it's typically a hard D pad or yeah, it's a or a micro switch. So you're going to go full that speed it, that way. It's on or off. Yeah. Yep. And so here's the color computer version. You can say, I mean, it looks really good for the color <laughs> computer too. 
It looks amazing. I mean, I, I don't think I've seen this. Like, I, I haven't played this on my Coco. This looks amazing. Uh, yeah, it's probably my top five. Definitely in my top five color computer games, which I haven't played too many yet. So, um, Marvel Madness was an arcade game, right? Yeah, I, mean, with, I remember. With I a trackball, I saw it with a trackball. That's exactly right. Yeah. So the, okay. I think without having a trackball in your house, the uh, analog stick from the Coco is the next best thing. And you just try to get the, down this. Um, I mean, you can go any way you want, but you just try to get down this crazy, dangerous course without cracking your marble by falling off of things and try to get to the end goal and go to the next level. Um, real quick, I did want to point out there was also a version on the Master System. And the reason I want to bring that up is purely for the reason that I think the Master System controller is my favorite controller for isometric games. And that is because the Master System has the square D-pad. So the it's when you're playing normal games, it drives me crazy. And I usually try to use a different controller, a Genesis controller or something. Uh, but it works really well for this game or any other isometric game because <clears throat> the diagonals are really easy to hit. It's actually harder to hit the orthogonals up, down, left, and right um, just because of the way the controller is designed. So the version on the Master System is also a great way to play this. And um, I almost picked the game The Ninja. Have you seen The Ninja on a Master System? I don't think so, no. So I was going to try to play with you and mess with you here. So in The Ninja, sorry, I'm just because you use that that that, ma- that master system control pad, which has the great diagonals. Ninja is basically like commando, but with ninjas. Yeah, that looks pretty cool. But the reason, yeah, it's, it's actually a really fun game. Um, I do own it. This is one of the physical copies I kept. Um, but the reason I kept it here is because level two. Check this out. That is isometric. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Realistically, it's not. I mean, it kind of is. It just scrolls to the northwest direction, and rocks are coming down the hill from that direction. Um, but the gameplay is still the same all the way through. So, anyways, I just want to point out the Master System has a great D-pad for isometric games. Yeah. Unfortunately, it does not have a ton of isometric games, but it should. Well, you know, one thing I, I noticed about our list is that we did not pick a ZX Spectrum game. <laughs> I have not found an isometric ZX Spectrum game I like, Eric. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, that, the funny thing is when the first thing that popped in my mind was like a tick attack, but it's not isometric at all. No, I know. I, I, I actually thought of that, too. I'm like, oh, I love it. Attic, attic attack, a tick attack. Um, a tick and then, attack. Yeah. And I'm like, but wait, no, that's just straight top down. <laughs> that's probably part just of straight top I, down, which it's brilliant. And I, I, I appreciate it for that quality. But you're right. I, I haven't. I know we're going to get some some. Uh, well-deserved smack from some British people about like night lore. I'm not, and I'm not well, it's not well-deserved. They're wrong. I mean, what, <laughs> what is there to say? They, they are not good games. Everyone's favorite, like Commodore game is head over heels. Nope. No, nope. um, that's true. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. We'll talk about some more of these in the next episode as well. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the show, Eric. I yeah, don't know what else to wow, say about it. it up. We're wrapping it up. Um, this is the this is the first pandemic show I've ever done. You know, what? same here. I'm I'm in that same boat. So <laughs> yeah, we're going through first seeds together. It's exciting. Um, uh, this cherry this uh, cherry uh, beer is hitting the spot though. I like it. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoy some sours now too. That's good. Yeah, this is one I wish they had year round. It's it's a it's a, it's a good sour. 
Um, that's a show. Uh, thank you guys for, for listening, for, for hanging out with us here. Um, trying to keep it short of three hours here. On our, in our next episode, uh, we actually get the joy of in, uh, enjoying the company of Tim, our buddy yeah. Tim Drew, uh, I think m- for most of the episode. Um, we kind of planned. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, we kind of planned it this way and put a lot of the um, the segments in this episode, so that next episode we can enjoy the whole time with him. I've got a game show planned. Uh, we have catching up to do, and um, all kinds of go oh, battle of systems as well, Eric. We haven't done our battle yet, so that'll be next that's episode right. in which we are comparing a couple of shmups that you picked up, cute ups. Cute em ups. That's the that's the theme. Cute em ups, and I was looking forward to both of these games. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you picked them. I had a great time with these, so a uh, little right bit of foreshadowing there. Right on, right, right on. on. All right, Eric. <laughs> as, you, as you and all the Pixel Gaiden fans out there know, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. <laughs> Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelgaiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.